Greetings weary travellers down the cultural path and welcome to the second episode of Bad Things, the podcast that covers everything shit about the world of entertainment, listening to it and watching it so you don't have to. My name is Jacob Simmons, we are back for another review of something utterly, utterly awful and this time I'm joined by somebody who is not utterly, utterly awful, the man himself. Mr. Nathan Packham. Hello. Salutations. Salutations to you. Generic salutations. Generic, generic Many salutations. Many a happy holiday season. Yes. Although this will probably not be released until February. <laughs> <laughs> For um, context, we're, re- we're recording this on the final day of 2019. Um, so, oh yeah, we're, yeah, we're on the borderline of yeah. the, the new decade. How are you we're, feeling? We're witnessing human history. Are you feeling good about um, 2020? Yeah. The, the 2020s? The, yeah, the, uh, the Roaring Twenties Part 2. Yeah. Let's hope we don't have the old recession <laughs> The old again. crash at the end. Well, you know. I don't know, but we're keeping politics out of this. The bit before it was good, though, <laughs> all the partying and, yeah. um, and the pro- jazz prohibition, and... you know, probably would prevent certain, you know, certain <laughs> lifelong diseases from occurring and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. I am excited to be on the other side this time. Yes. We've kind of come to an agreement here where I feel like you're more in the know about visuals mm. and then I take on the... Uh, <laughs> The music, because of my ridiculous words, that I <laughs> accompany with uh, whenever I'm talking about music. Yeah, um, you're the music guy. I have an actual masters in film and television. It makes so sense. I am more qualified. I'm literally more qualified than you to talk about this. <laughs> if we ever do books, though, that's your thing, because you are a, a, an English a, lit a, a literature graduate. Yeah. The only book I can currently think of doing is there's a football manager called Steve <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> who released a, a trilogy of spy novels uh, in, I think, in the late 80s and mm. early 90s. Um, so those are the only books I can think of at the moment. I don't think I've ever read a really bad book. No, I think it takes a lot. I think I just put them down if they're bad. We, we could do Fifty Shades. We could do People Fifty like Shades. People like that, though, so yeah. that would be a bit controversial. Also, aren't those Steve Bruce books really expensive? Yes, yeah. if you want a Steve Bruce book on eBay, <laughs> they're about two grand. So if people want to contribute to that, send us some money. <laughs> Go uh, fund me, Steve Bruce. <laughs> we're here with a second episode. As we mentioned, we're doing a film. It is the sequel that nobody knew they wanted, or even knew they existed. The uh, the sequel to the smash hit uh, musical Grease, Grease 2. And we're here doing Grease 2. Um, before, we, before we get into it, uh, had you seen Grease 2 before... Uh, we started this venture. Indeed, I had. Probably, I would say, 12 to 15 years ago. Oh, I thought you were going to say 12 to 15 times. No, <laughs> I would say probably three times 12 to 15 years ago, Jeez. I saw Grease 2. <laughs> um, I think at the time, I was obviously like 10 or something, yeah. probably thought it was like a direct-to-DVD release. Mm. Uh, I was unaware that it, I mean, it, it will get into it, it yeah. did pretty badly at the box office, but like, people know about Grease too. Yeah. Well, um, people of a certain age do. Yeah. Because the first, because I've said to a couple of people that we're doing Grease too, and the reactions I've got is either, ugh, or <laughs> what? So mm-hmm. people either know, people either know it's bad, or they know absolutely nothing about it whatsoever, and mm-hmm. they never knew it existed. But yeah, like you said, it was, it did get a theatrical release. Uh, there's a whole convoluted backstory behind its creation and behind its inception into the world. Um, but 
I thought before we could get started on Greece too, mm-hmm. seeing as how some people might not have been aware of its existence, I thought yeah. we'd play a little game. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh no. On the topic of, I've not told, I'm not prepared, oh, Nathan, for he's, this. He's going to the laptop. Here we go. If my voice strays away, what it's is this? It's uh, a little, a little game I conjured up. Sorry, I won't look. Uh, no, don't look at that. Um, a little game I conjured up. So if we could have some game showy music for me in the edit. The magic of editing has come in there. I thought we could play a little game of "Is this sequel real?" Yes. So I'm like going to read you. I'm going to read you out the sequel uh, to a famous film, mm-hmm. and you have to tell me whether it's a real sequel or whether I've made it up. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Okay. Sequel number one, Mean Girls two. Is it real or have I made it up? I think you've made that up. I don't think there is a Mean Girls two. You're wrong. There oh is a God. Mean Girls 2. What? A Mean Girls 2 came out. It was a direct-to-DVD <laughs> sequel. Uh, it may have even been a TV movie. It came out in... Let me just have a look. Uh, yes, it was direct-to-TV film. came out seven years after the original wow. in 2011. Nobody from the original film had anything to do with it. Tina Fey didn't write it. And we all uh, know how, what Lohan was probably doing <laughs> instead of making a film. Which we're not, we're not touching that with a barge pole. Um, it was absolutely panned by the critics, but, yeah. as you can imagine. This was basically just me doing research for future episodes of Bad Things. Dirty Dancing 2. Yes. You're correct. I, I think I've heard of Dirty there Dancing There is a Dirty too. Dancing too. Dirty Dancing Havana Nights yes. was released in 2004. It's a prequel set before the events of uh, Dirty Dancing 1. Uh, it's basically got exactly the same plot, except it's set in Cuba during the Cuban Revolution. <laughs> it was absolutely panned by the critics. Do they just dance to get... get- through the sort of lack of, I food, think so, lack yeah. of food and just yeah. general sort yeah. of chaos. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think Castro's in it or anything. Oh. Although, who knows, maybe. I've seen. I've heard he does a mean rumba. Do you remember that Call of Duty where he like shot Castro <laughs> at the start? I don't remember this Call of Duty uh, where you shot Castro at the start. Well, um, did Was there any dancing involved in that Call of Duty Only game? dancing away from the, <laughs> the raid of bullets that were coming down. Okay, how about this? American Psycho 2. Yes, I think that is a thing. You're right, yeah. it is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got Mila Kunis in it, in yeah. the lead role, and William Shatner <laughs> in the supporting I role. I was wicking William Shatner the other day. Do you Why? know how old he is? <laughs> he must be late 80s. He's 88. Jeez. How amazing does he look for eight? Well, I haven't seen him in the last yeah. couple of years. But... And the last one I've got here is 2001 A Space Odyssey 2. No, no way did that happen. It did happen. No, it did. <laughs> it did no, happen. No. It's called 2010, <laughs> the year we first made contact. Directed by a guy called Peter Hyams, who went to Stanley Kubrick and said, "Can I make a sequel to your film?" Yeah. And Stanley Kubrick apparently said, "Sure, go do it. <laughs> I don't care." <laughs> How could you not care about <laughs> one of the most important pieces of cinema ever? Because it's Kubrick. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. Um, and do you want to know what the critics made of it? Uh, they must have destroyed it. No, they loved it. What? 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that's not a lot. Well, it's better, than the mo- it's better than the other ones, yeah. They thought it was fine. Um, so, yeah, that was Is This Sequel Real? you got to remember, like, a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes is like a... 55% on Metacritic, <laughs> so it's like... Are you more of a Metacritic kind no, of No, I'm more, I'm more of a tomato, okay. so it's more positive. But I always kind of temper that. If it's into the 60s, mm. I kind of think, where where would it be on Metacritic? Okay, yeah. fair enough. Where do you stand on IMDb? As uh, a don't system? like that it combines critics and fan ratings, because oh, okay. fans don't understand films. <laughs> so Normal people are stupid. I don't understand films. <laughs> Me neither, and I've got a Masters in it. So... 
all of those sequels were real, as was Grease 2. And I'm going to lay, hand this over to you, Nathan, mm-hmm. for the troubled backstory of how this <laughs> film came into be, because this is probably one of the most Hollywood stories of all time. I'm going to start by talking about Grease in general. Mm-hmm. So Grease began as a stage musical written by Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey, which was first staged in 1971. So we're not far off the 50th anniversary. <laughs> how are the 70s 50 years so the earlier performances were considerably raunchier and cutting in their observations of post-war culture, um, but unfortunately, I think, mm. this element has been considerably toned down over time, and now there's sort of a Grease aesthetic, tone and storyline, which every production follows. Yeah, every they, single production of Grease is pretty much exactly the same. Yeah, they don't want to rock the boat, they're no. worried about ticket sales. Yeah. I actually think ticket sales wouldn't be affected if you... It's Grease, people are going to go and see it regardless. It's, it's one of the big musicals. You could market it as like, oh, this is like the original, like, yeah. heart-hitting Grease. Yeah. I think people... I mean, I would go and see I'd it. Love to, I'd I, love to see that. I wouldn't see, like, Grease on the West End now. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. I've seen would... Grease on the West End. Oh, God. It's actually pretty good. Oh. Yeah, it's really... <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get into my opinions on musicals. Oh, go God, forward. here we go. That then led into uh, Grease 1. Are we calling it Grease 1? <laughs> I think we're going to have to, to differentiate oh, between... wrong, um... <laughs> I wanted to know what your thoughts were on the original Grease. The original Grease. It's great. One of, if not the best, movie musical ever. Mm-hmm. The original with John Travolta, yeah. Olivia Newton-John. It's, it's you know, the plot means that you can actually make it a film. It's not too fantastical, like something like Into the Woods or... God forbid we mentioned the new Cats film, <laughs> Cats. Uh, which you've seen. I did, yeah, um, it's really boring. Quick review, yeah, it's boring. Uh, it's, it's boring, and I was really hoping we could do it for this podcast. <laughs> not enough happens. <laughs> like, literally not enough happens. Um, this, this, is our, this is our episode on Cats. <laughs> but yeah, the original Grease is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's always, you know, it's one of those films that I've seen a million times. I know it pretty much beat for beat now, but I don't mind that. It's fine because mm-hmm. I like it, and, and the songs are really good. They've they've gone on to become some of the most iconic movie musical songs of all time. Uh, You're the one that I want is still one of the biggest selling records right. I think ever. Were you around like for that? the Grease Mega Mix? <laughs> yes, I remember yeah. the Grease Mega the Mix. Grease, the Grease, the Grease, the Grease, Grease Lightning. Lightning. Go 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 go. Yeah, love the Grease Mega Mix. It's when it comes on when you're in a nightclub and you're like, is this? The oh, mega mix, or yeah. is this the just the it's original always song? The it's always the mega mix. When it, there's one time, I think it wasn't the mega mix, and nobody knew what to do. <laughs> it was just the rest of Grease Lightning, and everyone was like, "Where's the Where's Summer Nights? Oh, yeah. What's going on?" I would say Grease is in my top ten films. Wow, ever of all films, as much as I like to pretend I'm some sort of arty pseudo hipster <laughs> man. <laughs> You just bloody love a bit of Grease. I just love a bit of Grease. God, we talked about football, Call of Duty, and Grease <laughs> amongst your interests yeah. today. You're uh, such Call an of Duty man. is not an interest of okay. mine. Well, I just sure. went round to okay. fr- No, no, honestly. Sure. I went round to friends and he was like, oh yeah, the first scene you get to shoot Castro. Like, okay. <laughs> and you were like, I just want to watch Grease. Get out of the way. Uh, yeah, I reckon Grease is a top ten of mine. Jeez. Probably like the lower end of top ten, uh-huh. but like a top ten. Wow. I think it's really weird <laughs> the bit the bit I picked out or picked up on in my notes is the Frankie Avalon bit with, the, oh, with yes. the beauty school dropout beauty school dropout no graduation day for you 
No crooner has ever successfully had a psychedelic career, <laughs> and I think Frankie Avalon achieves that in the beauty school dropout sequence. It's totally irrelevant to the rest of the film, like some of the ones we're going to discuss oh, today. Yeah. But it's I love that sequence. Mm. You could take that out, and it would have no bearing on the rest of the plot. I think hopelessly devoted to use an incredible song. Yeah, like literally, like I'm not even saying that ironically. Like, <laughs> proper love that song. I think my favourite song in Greece is "There Are Worse Things I Can Do." Okay, yeah, yeah. I just think the way it's delivered is so good, and mm -hmm. the way it's shot so simply, it's just her walking around. I think it might even be just one shot. That whole yeah. sequence. It's just, yeah, really, really good capturing that really desperate moment of Rizzo where she thinks she's up the duff. Does it remind you of when you were pregnant? Well? <laughs> the first time, yeah. yeah. I've been in Greece. Yeah, I think... Oh, yes, you have told yes, me this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was uh, in my school production of Greece. I was year 10, so mm -hmm. that would have made me... 15, I think, when I did the production. Uh, I was Vince Fontaine, Wee! the creepy radio <laughs> DJ. And I got to perv on all the women. Um, do you remember his rap at all? Can you, rap. Can you do, you know, you know, right, I call it a rap. It's not a rap <laughs> you know his, like, spiel. Oh, the sort of radio the guy, spiel. The guys and gals Yeah, or something like, oh, Vince Fontaine, spitting the stacks of wax here on KBB, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, I did a, I did a sort of faux Tony Blackburn voice. <laughs> Were you going to say Tony Blair? <laughs> Hi everyone, Vince Fontaine here. Yeah, Vince Fontaine, as far as I'm aware, did not launch an Ill illegal invasion of Iraq, but <laughs> Whoa. we might do. Um, but yeah, so I have a. I think that does strengthen my love for Greece as well, because it was probably the first big stage production I was in, uh, and theatre was my thing in school. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of a sort of solidified my love for Greece and the fact that I was in it, and I got to know the song so well and know the actual stage show so well. But yeah, it's always a great, a great family film to stick on over Christmas or something. Mm -hmm. a bit I, I wouldn't want to watch it with anyone but myself. Oh, really? I'd probably start crying. <laughs> be like, what are you doing? You were messaging me when you were watching Grease One in the re the research for this, mm -hmm. just in tears, hopelessly <laughs> devoted to you. <laughs> I was worried I was going to have to travel down to Sussex and come and get you. It's just the weird bit where she puts the paper in the paddling pool. And face <laughs> <of his>. <laughs> the paddling pool. <laughs> But how did Grease 2 come ah, about? This is, it's one of those things where, you know, we live in an age of sequels at the moment. Everything's a sequel or a reboot. But, but at the time, Or a universe. Yes, or a cinematic universe. The Grease cinematic universe. But I think in the... When, when did this film come out? Early 80s? What, well, Grease 2? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I didn't look that up. I think it's 82 <laughs> or 81. Yeah, let's say something like that. Correct us if we're wrong. But at the time, I, you know, sequels were still big. But something like Grease, I don't think you'd expect to get a sequel. Because mm -hmm. there wasn't a Grease 2 musical. Mm -hmm, so this yeah. was a completely original, completely new set of scripts and characters... Well, actually, that's what I was going to say. If we yeah. ever make it big with this podcast, <laughs> we need to fund a production of Grease 2. <laughs> can we be in it? Uh, yeah. You can be, you can be Michael Carrington. Oh, I'll be I'll be Stephanie Zanoni. I don't want to be Michael Carrington. Nobody wants to be Michael Carrington. I want to be Coach Calhoun. <laughs> so, yeah, how did Grease 2 come about? Well, the basic fact is it legally had to happen. Yeah. Um, co-producer Alan Carr not the not that Alan Carr was paid five million dollars to produce this sequel within three years of the original which would suggest that it maybe was 81 yeah first one was 78 wasn't yeah. it yeah um, Patricia Birch was hired as the director after much haggling when she learned that neither Jim Jacobs or Warren Casey, the original songwriters, yeah. would be involved. Jim Jacobs will come back to at a later point. Mm -hmm. Does not like this film. Quite a moody man about this film. <laughs> uh, 
Um, let alone the fact that John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John were nowhere to be seen. So Although, if, you're, if you're counting at home, that's four people of Volta the original <laughs> who wanted nothing to do with this let's sequel. Get, let's keep climbing. <laughs> let's keep that counter going. They were originally planned to feature, mm. but talks broke down. I think it's probably <laughs> the best way of putting it. They were going to be a married couple mm. running a gas station. What would that film have been? <laughs> just then, maybe it'd been like a Kubrick film, just then with like wrenches for hours on end. Just Sandy plotting to slowly murder Danny. A psychological thriller. I'm so, I think that might have been worse than what we actually what we got. got. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where you could go with that apart from an, an affair mm, or something. It probably would have been something like that, yeah. Despite looking and feeling like a B movie outside the musical numbers, mm-hmm. you may disagree. Um, the budget was double the original. Now that might yeah. be inflation, yeah, because this is like Reagan comes in, obviously in <laughs> I think eighty. Yeah. So whether that somehow within the span I don't think that's how money okay. works. Yeah, I'm not an expert on economics, works. but I don't think that's how it works. Filming began in the autumn of 1981 in California, so maybe it was 82 by the time it was released. I think it might have come out in 82. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so they didn't fulfill the legal requirement of three years. <laughs> well, they started filming. Oh, so that okay, that's how they got around it. it. Yeah. The script wasn't even finished by the time they started. Recording. Oh dear. Um, there were plans to have more films and TV shows in the Grease canon, um, the Grease Marvel series. The Grease Cinematic Universe, yeah, the GCU. <laughs> um, but they all got t- cancelled after the disappointment of this film. Um, it was nearly called Son of Grease. Yeah, I saw this. This was lobbied for by our boy Maxwell Caulfield. <laughs> what is Who that? is the Patrice Wilson of this episode? <laughs> But that would have made more sense, you know, and this is a spoiler, nobody's sons or daughters are in this film. No. It would have made sense if they said it, like, a far distant future, where maybe, you know, Danny and Sandy... cousin of Greece might have been more appropriate. Cousin of Greece. Yeah, but there are no sons or daughters in this film, so I don't know what Maxwell Caulfield was going on about here. There are plenty of failed celebrity appearances. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. Surprised me, yeah. So, first of all, a very, who must have been a very young Tom Cruise mm. at the time auditioned for Johnny Nogarelli. Jesus. Uh, but director Patricia Birch wanted someone older and taller. <laughs> the bane of Tom Cruise's career not being taller. Enough. I think he's done all right. Was anyway. this before the, t- the Cuban Heel era? Oh, the, does he, does he wear Cruise. Cuban Heels? Oh, that definitely. Oh, does he? Does. Of course he does, yeah. And then we've got Cher, mm. who initially, initially signed on, so she'd signed on the dotted line, mm. to play Paulette Rebchuk, um, <laughs> who does not get a very... It does not come across not, very well no, at all. No, not at all. Um, but she backed out, complaining of a low salary and an unfinished script, <laughs> which is probably both true. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And then the weirdest one... <laughs> Debbie Harry yeah. <laughs> was initially asked to play Stephanie Zanoni, but she declined, saying she was too old. She was probably mid-thirties mm. by that point. Uh, Which yeah. didn't stop anybody else. It didn't, but I I think Debbie Harry's a bit cool to do this. It's a bit too cool as well mm, to do it. Yeah, I can see why, because if you look at Michelle Pfeiffer in this yes. film, she's definitely channelling the inner mm-hmm. Debbie Harry yeah. here. And Debbie Harry is, you know, a very iconic woman, very iconic female singer, mm-hmm. but... I think she dodged the bullet here. Yeah, that's all the backstory I've got, so it's not really set itself up. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not the best start in life, does Grease 2. But it it did get its start in life. It did get made, eventually. As I mentioned earlier, Michelle Pfeiffer was eventually cast in the role of Stephanie Zanoni, uh, the new leader of the Pink Ladies, uh, opposite Johnny Nogarelli. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they just put it into like a random... Italian-American name generator for all of these names, um, who's the new leader of the T-Birds, and 
as we've mentioned, our boy, <laughs> Maxwell Caulfield, <laughs> playing Michael Carrington, who is... Uh, we'll get into the actual characters in a minute, but I think we do need to establish uh, that those are the three main players yeah. in the film. And yeah, he was set up alongside Michelle Pfeiffer, who was... This was her first role. She wasn't famous at this point. Right, yeah. This was a complete, well, I'd say, star-making performance. This was the only thing that anybody liked about the film was Michelle Pfeiffer's performance. <laughs> so she went on to. I yeah. agree. <laughs> she went on to do some good things after this, um, but Maxwell Caulfield did not. Uh, and apparently, you probably know about more of this than I do. He was really difficult to work with. Yeah, I I don't know the ins and outs, mm. but ev- yeah, ev- after learning that, every time I saw him and Pfeiffer in the same <laughs> scene, because she really did not get on with him, yeah. I was like, how are they like getting through this? Yeah, because it's a it's well, I guess they are actors, so they're probably and, yeah, good at that. Better actors than we give them credit for, clearly. I think we've covered most of the backstory now. Is it time we get into the nitty and the gritty? Let's do it. Shall we return to Rydell High? <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay, here's the film. A new school year, Blanche, a new era. If the Russians can put a man in space, just imagine what our young American minds can do at Rydell. So we open the film outside Rydell High and we get some returning characters. Hey, Finally! Hooray! Hey, People came back. Uh, it's the principal, uh, Miss McGee. <laughs> She's just the most. I didn't know that was her name until I watched this. And, um,. And Blanche, who is her receptionist? What does she do? Her slave? <laughs> her xylophonist? Her lover? I don't know what their relationship is, but they're there. They're putting up the flag. Um, they oh, are... I love these two. These two are great. These yeah. two are some proper old school, golden age Hollywood actresses. Yeah. Um, I love the uh, delivery of Principal McGee. I forget the... Uh, the the actor's name, yeah, I love Shall I look them up? Yeah, let's have a look. Yeah. Why not? You, you fill while I go yeah. on Wikipedia. Oh, well. <laughs> Xylophones. <laughs> um, yes, I'll fill for you. Essentially, they're putting up the flag. It's the start of a brand new school year. Everyone, everyone who you knew and loved from the first film has graduated. And there's a whole new cast of characters to get on to. Uh, they helpfully remind us that it's during the Cold War... Uh, mm-hmm. When they talk about uh, if the Russians can put a man in space, imagine what our young American minds can do. The Cold War comes into this film quite a lot, understandably. Um, considering you know when it's set, and I guess there's have still the, have the Russians actually put a man in space by, that by 1961? Yeah. I think didn't so. they do the monkey and they did the dog? Yeah, the monkey and the dog. I think Yuri Gagarin was oh, late fifties. I'm not. Right. This is again my other degree is history, so I really should know this. Mm-hmm. But I don't. There's a moment of calm as they're discussing all of this, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, the uh, the kids come <laughs> <Yeah>. throttling <laughs> into the school. Uh, the flag that they put up, the Rydell flag, mm-hmm. falls down, uh-huh. and we're into our first number. Oh yeah, uh, which is titled "Back to School Again" and features the four tops. The, the actual four tops. You gotta go back, back, back to school. Back, back, back to school again. 
I knew it was going to be someone famous doing this because yeah. the first, the original opening number, the bam bam la din that's Frankie Valli in the Four mm-hmm. Seasons, isn't and it? And written by one of the Bee Gees. Was it? Uh, <laughs> was it? Mm-hmm. Oh wow, well, I didn't He's know that. Barry, the one who's he, still around. He usually writes the songs, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, can you imagine if the Bee Gees wrote the opening song, <laughs> performed the opening song? <laughs> oh my god! Crazy the word. <laughs> Thoughts on the song? Love it. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Love it. It's a bit gimmicky, but it has to be. So it is, there are some tenuous lyrics, like, Mama, please, if child's come down with a fatal disease. <laughs> it's, yeah, it does the job. It opens up. We introduce to all the characters. It sets the tone of, like, everybody hates school, which seems to be a big popular thing in America. Yeah. Did you hate school? Does anybody so hate school that I much? I thought it captured... So I definitely did not hate school, yeah. but... Certainly after having six weeks off, the dread does set in. Mm. Uh, that was always my experience anyway. Yeah. And then you'd get there and be like, oh yeah, it's actually all right. It's just, <laughs> I can, see, life, I can see all my friends. It's yeah. pretty good. I actually don't mind some of the lessons. Um, it's actually all right. Yeah, they mentioned September 1st. Um, which mm. seems like a really harsh like, <laughs> end of August date to go back Americans in. get so much time off for school. They definitely don't get Do back they? in September. Oh yeah, they, they, get like, they get like, well, I'm trying to remember... It's something like three months they get off. Oh, okay. No wonder there's so much crime. They've got nothing to do. <laughs> so, yeah, we get some random dancing. Everybody's sort of doing their bit. Uh, some nerdy kid carrying a big double bass gets knocked over at some point. I don't know who choreographed this, but I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was great. It goes on forever, but it it's, it's, re- it's forever. really good. The new pink ladies turn up in their pink car. Everybody gets out, and Michelle Pfeiffer looks cool. I think she, she looks great. She does. I don't think she looks as cool as Sandy post-transformation. Oh, really? She okay. does look cool. See, yes. because I'm, a, I'm an old school guy, I kind of preferred Sandy before the transformation. I mean, I to some extent agree, mm. but I, in terms of just the transformation, yeah. I think... There's obviously an iconic moment, the, uh, the transformation. Mm-hmm. I don't like that she takes up smoking. Well, yeah, I mean, you're just going to die for doing that, so... <laughs> you're the one that I want. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer's dancing in this scene. It's so weird. She's just, like, wobbling about. I think she's doing sort of a pseudo-thriller dance. Um, she's just sort of, like, wobbling about. I don't know how accomplished she was as a dancer at this point, um, but they don't linger on her for too long. So that's fine. T-Birds turn up, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not on cars this time, because no. we've already done that once. Yeah. <laughs> they're on motorcycles. They've graduated. Yes, they've graduated to the world of motorcycles. We get introduced to Not Danny Zuko, Johnny Nogarelli, who I've just referred to as Not Danny through my entire notes. <laughs> Did you also refer to Goose as Not Kanicki? <laughs> not Kanicki, yeah. yeah. Not Not Kanicki is more Kanicki than Not Danny is yeah. Not Danny, because mm-hmm. he, he could be son of Jeff Conaway. Yes, he could be. Yeah, Yeah, he looks so like him. Here's a test. Do you remember the names of any of the gang members who aren't Johnny Nogarelli, Stephanie Zanoni, or Goose? Um, Lewis. Lewis is one of the team. Yes. Yes. Uh, Dolores, (laughs) who is kind of a pink lady, but is like 12 years old. Yeah, we'll get into Dolores in a minute, yeah. Um... I can't remember the other T-Bird. There's only one more T-Bird, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I can't remember his name. There is Davy. Davy. He's the other T-Bird. I feel like the only thing Davy did... Does he have a line in score tonight? I think he might do. Yeah, I think he has to, because they don't have enough people. There's right, only four yeah. T-Birds. Yeah, there's only so four T-Birds. Recruitment numbers are low, but there are other pink ladies as well. Oh, there's, there's um, Paulette. Paulette, yeah. yeah. And there's Sharon. Sharon, okay. Who, uh, who was the one that dresses up like Jackie Kennedy later oh, okay. on in the year. 
And who? Oh, is she the one who's wants surgery all the time? No, that is someone else. The one with the big nose. Yeah, well, I'm suppose, to, yeah. I'm gonna have to look her up. Um, Rhonda. Rhonda. That's it. Rhonda Ritter. At no name. point is Rhonda. I swear, Rhonda is not said in the film <laughs> at all. I think it might be said a handful of times, okay. but she gets nothing to do. We get introduced to some of the other weird characters in Greece, including the, these. Freak me out. The twins. The twins. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> Do you think they saw The Shining the year before? Like, <laughs> Kubrick again. He's back. <sighs> the 2010. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the twins who were just like these cheerleaders. I don't think they have names. I think they're just the twins. Um, I think they're quite a famous twin duo in yeah, their life as I well. Yeah, I think so. And they were, uh, well, famous in inverted commas. Yes. But they, they turn up sort of sporadically throughout the film. Uh, they're talking to a teacher. They do, they do their part well. Yeah, they're fine. For a bit of comic relief. Yeah, it's... a bit of gossipy, bitchy comic relief. <laughs> they're sort of there to guess flesh out the rest of the school, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, was one of the strongest aspects of Greece, where it did feel like an actual living, breathing world with all the different side characters. Well, I think in this film we've got plenty of side characters yes. to talk about. One of as the well. strong points of the film. We get another recurring character because Eugene turns up. <laughs> He's back from the first film. Uh, good old what's his name? Oh, um, Eugene Felsnick. Played by Eddie Deason. Loses his books again? Of course he does, yeah. He's back. Uh, no Patty, unfortunately. She's Patty Simcox! <laughs> the best! <laughs> Just the most awful human being in the world, Patty Simcox. I had, did a bit of research on Patty Simcox. So <laughs> of, course, she, of course you did. I don't think originally she was an actress. She really? won like a Miss um, a USA thing or oh, something like that. Okay. How good is she for like someone who? Yeah, she's pretty good. Not originally an actor. She plays that part really well. Yeah. Obviously, I hate her because the character is meant to be annoying, but she's yeah, such she's a, like good. a student council <laughs> character, isn't she? Yeah, everybody knows somebody like Patty Simcox at school. We get the hot teacher Wee. because, of course, we do. Miss Mason, who is just boobs, boobs, and three hundred pounds of hair, as she's <laughs> described as, by and a voice like this. Oh, oh hi, Mister Nagarelli. She's so breathy. It's the absolute stereotypical, blonde, buxom, attractive teacher. Van Halen would go nuts if they saw her. They would be hot for teacher. <laughs> With an ambiguous age. Yeah. Is oh, she yeah. 39? Is, is she, she 58? Si- is she 65? Who knows? We don't know. We don't care. It's all working. It's fine. And the T-Birds sort of chase after Miss Mason because mm-hmm. different times. Um, and yeah, everybody is obviously... Uh, very, very flirty with the Also, her character is hardly that dismissive of their advances. <laughs> oh, well, she loves it, yeah. Really weird. <laughs> Not the creepiest thing in this film. We'll, we'll get to that. And then... <laughs> He's here. <laughs> he arrives. <laughs> Off the bus in all his sweater-wearing, pristine hair, Cliff Richard look-aliking. He's that was a shit, Cliff Richard. Your words, not mine. Michael? Uh, Frenchie? <laughs> Hello. Hi. Uh, thanks for meeting me. Oh, listen, when your cousin Sandy told me you were coming to school in America, I said, Sandy, any cousin of yours is a cousin of mine. Yes, she did say you were the one who know the ropes around here. Oh, ropes are my specialty. The one and only Michael Carrington, as portrayed by Maxwell Caulfield, whose name appears on screen as he gets off the bus. Oh, that's, yeah. I always like that little touch. Yeah, nice little touch. He's very English. Straight away. But can't decide if he's sort of privately educated yeah. or well spoken publicly <laughs> educated. Hello, I'm Michael Carrington. You're right, love. <laughs> I didn't catch this at first, but this was confirmed. Uh, he is Sandy's cousin. Mm-hmm. 
Um, God knows what sex happened yeah, well, like, to make that family how did happen. That, yeah. And yeah. They're a good-looking family, because let's not take away from Maxwell Caulfield. He's a very well-sculpted, very yeah, good-looking boy. I was like, are you better looking than Travolta? There were points I was I like would that. say yes. I'd say more traditionally better yes, looking. That's, yeah, yeah Travolta's a bit more rugged, you know, if mm-hmm. you like that. A bit of rough and tumble, a bit of gristle, if you like that sort of thing. Um, he gets off the bus and we get another returning character. Frenchie's back. <laughs> the only returning pink lady or Tiva from the original film. Obviously she's a bit older now and she's come back to school to learn chemistry so she can go into the cosmetics industry. Because obviously Frankie Avalon's words didn't get through to her. She's still pursuing that dream of, uh, of being a... But a more scientific angle this yeah, time. Yeah, because, you know, feminism. <laughs> women, in, uh, women in science. Did you read up on what happened to Dee Dee Con throughout this movie? No. So she started... She, <laughs> this she, is the actor who plays yeah, French. She turned up on set, uh-huh. right, was there for, like, half of the filming. Mm-hmm. Then one day they just turned around and was like, we don't need you anymore. And she slept. <laughs> oh, my God. And then not only that... So she was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to be in this film. Yeah. And then she was in, probably in this more than she was in <laughs> Cruise One. So why did they just tell her to go away? Was it, did they not want to pay her? Because this production was a mess. <laughs> That's why. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She's, she gets a fairly decent uh, role in this film. She's sort of the, the sort of um, mature head guiding Michael Carrington through, yeah. um, through his, uh, his adventures because um, Sandy's told Frenchie, can you look after my cousin while I go and run a gas station with my husband? <laughs> uh, no one, none of the other, no one else was available, uh, so can you do it? Um, I guess that kind of makes sense, because Frenchie was quite close to Sandy in the original Grease, so mm. plot, I suppose, that makes sense. I was going to say, she probably text her, but obviously back then, <laughs> she would have had to do the old dial-up phone. Yeah. Yeah. One of the T-Birds, one of the actors, is called Leaf Green. Mm-hmm. Which I realise. Which actor is uh, that? Let me find out. It might be Lewis, I think, okay. is Leaf Green. No, Davy. Davy was called Leaf Green. Um, I just thought that was funny because that is a ridiculous. Is that thing. Leaf L E I F? Yeah. Rather L-E-I-F. than. <laughs> <laughs> Not L-E-I-F. In autumn, it's Leaf Brown. <laughs> uh, oh, and another funny name. The music producer is called Louis St. Louis. <laughs> of course. Only in music. I picked this up at the end uh, as the dance routine is coming to an end. Some kid just runs and, like, dives through the window. Yes. Did you see this? With a very obvious trampoline <laughs> position that's underneath. He's just, like, he's running towards the school, and I'm like, where is he going? And then he's just... Phoom, but, like, that's what makes window. this film so promising at the start. It's, like, the little touches yeah, like that. Yeah, the, the fun little touches. Because this is, you know, as movie musicals go, this is a great opening number. Yeah. I think it sets the scene. It's fun. It's energetic. We get some nice character moments. I definitely haven't seen enough mu- musicals to make that judgment, yeah. but I'm going to make it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think if when we do get our actual stage production of Grease 2 off the ground, we can take a lot of inspiration from the movie version of... Uh, Back to school again. By the trampoline. And, you know. <laughs> so the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies are hanging out. They meet up. They're still obviously that sort of dynamic mm-hmm. together. We learn that Stephanie and Johnny used to be an item, but no more, because Michelle Pfeiffer has had enough of Johnny, and she's dumped him. I do love a good summer fling. <laughs> Don't we all love a good summer fling? How many summer flings have you had? Oh, I've not had any personally. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. I just live vicariously through <laughs> high school-based... Media. <laughs> Johnny's not happy about being dumped because he's a man. <laughs> so that's obviously setting up a bit of a sort of, I guess, a running theme through this film of the fact that the the pink ladies 
and the T-Birds like have to date. That's like written into the code mm. of the gang. Weird. Yeah, it's properly weird. And and I like that they sort of flesh out the the mythology behind the gangs. Mm-hmm. You sort of think, oh, how long have they been around for? You know, what's what other rules do they have? I think but Greece won. There's only like. Do they all end up getting together in Greece? Yeah, I think oh, so. Yeah, yeah. Is Sandy technically a pink lady, though? Oh, that's a good point. I don't yeah. know. Oh, again, we're back to the geopolitics. <laughs> Rebecca Black last time. Greece this time. What's this? The Vince Fontaine National Library? Shh! Quiet! Please! <laughs> Laugh, you jerks, but just wait till I turn up on National Bandstand. Yeah, you may turn up on the bandstand, but your beak will still be turning down. <laughs> we're inside the school now. Um, the big nose girl, Rhonda Ritter, fancies my character from Grease One. She's got a shrine to Vince Fontaine oh, in her yes, locker, she does, yeah. even though he's a massive perv. Vince. It's great. Yes, and then we get Michael, uh, Michael, Ka- Michael Caddington, uh, being his charming, bumbling English self, because he tries to put his stuff in the T-Birds' lockers. They don't like that, do they? Cardinal sin <laughs> of Greece, yeah, university, the GCU, yeah. Uh, even though it's quite clearly got T birds scratched into the lockers, which doesn't make any sense. He puts it in the T one yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, what an idiot. The T birds call their lockers a piece of American history, which I thought was quite a funny line. Greece too is a piece of American history. <laughs> it's I a piece understand. of something. They call him Shakespeare, which I thought was you know you kind. <laughs> <laughs> They don't call him Shitcliffe Richard, which would have been a lot Shit. better. <laughs> they push him into a locker. Maxwell Caulfield, the bar. <laughs> oh, Maxwell Caulfield is not a good actor. I feel like we have to breach that now. He's oh, so. We bring that up now. Yeah, he's so wooden already. He is not even good enough to be in porn, in my opinion. <laughs> he's, he looks good enough to be in porn. He does look good enough to be in porn, but, but um, yeah, he's just, every line is just so woodenly delivered. I might put a bit in now, actually, and we'll see. You okay? Yeah, fine, thanks. <laughs> Don't let these guys bug you. <laughs> I won't. Don't worry. Uh... Yeah, not good, is it? It's, it's low-level porn at the very best. Um, yeah, and as I said, he can't decide if he's privately or publicly educated. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, if you had to make an assumption? Oh, now, he's privately educated. Do you think so? Like, yeah, Michael Carrington, who wears <laughs> jumpers. <laughs> he loves the jumper. Yeah. The T-Birds beat him up. Uh, well, they push him around, he drops his books, and uh, Stephanie goes over to help him, for reasons, I don't really know why. Um, compassion. <laughs> human compassion. Uh, and Michael Carrington is completely useless and just blubbers at her, because it's a hot woman. Oh. <laughs> you don't get those in the all-boys school, Michael. There is no chemistry between Michael and Stephanie in this film. I'm going to put that out there now. Yes, for probably for the reasons that they did not get on as people. Yeah when they weren't their characters it probably didn't uh... didn't help yeah yeah because they and there is like there's some awkward chemistry between Danny and Sandy in Greece 1 oh but... there's oh you could see it mm. you can see it in Greece 1 <laughs> yeah. like but here there's nothing oh there's absolutely nothing I'm not there. endeared to the relationship at all I'm just not endeared to Maxwell <laughs> <laughs> if you are listening Maxwell I'm sorry we are sorry but you're just a shit clip if you Richard. want to come on and we'll do a follow up oh, that would be great I feel like Maxwell Caulfield would not want to talk about Greece too. no probably not we get to Miss Mason's class who's the hot teacher uh, everyone is being pervy because of course they are they probably wolf whistle as she comes in mm-hmm. it's gross um, Blanche... Is she 39 or 65? <laughs> Who cares? She's got tits. Wee. Blanche is back on the glockenspiel, where she belongs. Oh, that was a jam. Yeah. I can't believe that got stopped. <laughs> Good morning.
morning, Rydell. Oh, I got the names of the actors, by the way. Eve Arden is Principal McGee. What a wonderful name. Yeah, she was great. She must be a proper old school. Yeah, this was her final film. Oh, was it? Yeah, really? and she died. And Blanche Hodel was played by Dodie Goodman, which is another proper old school female comedian name. Yeah, I remember looking at... Um, I love Wiki, so I was looking at the Wiki, <laughs> and like they had like their 40s... Uh, actor shots oh, yeah. and just looked amazing. Yeah, proper like pristine sort of the hair in the in the curls. If only the realities of Golden Age Hollywood were as good as the <laughs> films and the. It's probably know, great. Involved. It was probably great if you were a man. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman, yeah, you know, you probably got no. Let's not even go into that now. You either died at 27 or had severe health problems <laughs> at 96. Yeah, you mean uh, Zaza Gabor? I mean Zaza Gabor. I mean Doris Day. Oh I mean, no, yeah. probably Eve Arden and, and yeah. David Goodman <laughs> yeah. as well. Blanche is back on the glockenspiel, and then we get my hat single-handedly my favourite character in this film, <laughs> Mr. Spears. First, I'd like to extend the welcome back to our own Mr. Spears, who made such a miraculous recovery from the mental exhaustion which sent him to the hospital last spring. Welcome back, Mr. Spears. So, Mr. Spears is <laughs> just what, a mess. What is his problem? <laughs> he is. On taking a lot of pills... Is it a neurological disease? Well, it's, it's called mental exhaustion okay. in the film. He's shaking just furiously, just yeah. all over the place. He's popping a load of pills. He tries to pour himself some water. It just goes everywhere. I have a theory about how this happened to Mr. Spears okay. later on. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Okay, we'll get into that. So he's welcome back after mental exhaustion. Obviously, something happened. We'll get into that a bit later. Um, and as he's taking the pills uh, and shaking wildly, his class unleashes a mouse onto a sleeping student, which wakes her up. She screams, and Mr. Spears just <laughs> flops onto the desk and dies, apparently. <laughs> he's just He's just dead now. Uh, that's fine. Don't worry about Mr. Spears. He's just dead. Uh, while this is happening, Frenchie is doing some chemistry, and of course she blows something up because she's useless. Um, Go back to high, high school. school. We also get over the intercom a reminder that the school talent show is coming up, uh, which is a big part of this plot, where you can win 100 LPs. Which was a great framing device for the whole thing. Yeah. It's also a bloody good prize. 100 well. LPs. 100 LPs. That's, I'd, love that. I'd love that now. That'd be great. Imagine if we've got 100 CDs. Oh, things. <laughs> Material possessions. Material possessions. Where would you put them all? It's all online. <laughs> what, what would the equivalent be now? 100 streams on Spotify? You couldn't do that now, No, could you? that would be a prize, because you probably already have a Spotify yeah, subscription. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Who's not got Spotify anymore? Maybe, an Amazon, maybe a £100 Amazon voucher. Or Tidal, or something like Tidal. that. Tidal? <laughs> no one's got Tidal apart from you. Apart from me. <laughs> My fidelity stream. <laughs> Michael gets a shout-out. Uh, he's described as a straight-A student from England, uh, which is a terrible way to introduce somebody, because they're just going to get bullied. And also, from my experience of the American education system, from mm-hmm. my one semester in the States, <laughs> yes. it's not as difficult to get an A in America is it as not? it is in the UK, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm sure if you went to like Harvard and stuff, it would be considerably harder. Yeah. Um, How many A's did you go? I think all... <laughs> <laughs> So you were a straight A student from England? Yes, I was. You are Michael oh, Carrington. No. I've got a jump rope today. <laughs> so obviously everybody laughs at Michael because he gets to stand up and introduce himself. Hello, Michael Carrington. <laughs> Sorry if that triggered you, if that was uh, any sort of experience that you had when oh, you were in no, the Oh no, I just sat in the corner and didn't say anything. Oh, okay. And then when I had to say something, everyone was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Are you Michael Carrington? Car- Maxwell Carfield? I had someone in the US turn to me and was like, 
Do you go to castles a lot? <laughs> <laughs> what do Americans think England is? And I was like, one, no. <laughs> Two, they don't interest me in the slightest. And then this guy just carried on. Mm. And he was just like, but all the cobbles and <laughs> the stone. Somebody thought I was Irish when I went to America. Mm-hmm. I got in the taxi and I was like, oh, so you're Irish. <laughs> no. I love them. I sound like this. Oh, I might go back in 2020. That'd be great. Can I come with you? Bad things on the road. So then we get to the athletics track where the pink ladies are just walking randomly through what seems to be cheer practice. Michael's running and he gets accosted by the weird twins who, uh, who ask him to play piano in the upcoming school talent show. I've got a lot to say about Michael Carrington's piano playing. <laughs> The pink ladies hate the twins for some reason because all women in films hate each other. Yeah. Michael has the hots for Stephanie, despite only having met her for like 30 seconds. Uh, he talks to Frenchie about it and Frenchie um, warns him away because he's not a T-bird. And uh, the line she uses is, you can look but don't touch. Oh. In fact, I wouldn't even look. Yeah, you're bloody right, Frenchie. Michael wants to be a T-bird in spite of the fact that they bullied him about five minutes ago. Uh, because sex is a powerful thing. It is. It's just so horny for Stephanie. All rational thought out the window. I want to join the group of people who just pushed me into a locker so I can bang this woman. Great stuff, Michael Carrington. They got territorial about some lockers. That's all you need to (laughs) know. Yeah, stay away. Did you see, uh, there was a bit on, Coach Calhoun was here. Yes, Uh, another returning character. There was an amazing reference back to the first film. Was there? So you remember the uh, homecoming parade in the first film? Vaguely. The bit with the fire and the cheerleaders. Yeah. And the bit where Danny's like, well, look me up at the Yellow Pages. (laughs) Right? Sorry, is that that John Travolta? John Travolta just walked in. (laughs) What was that for me? So Coach Calhoun in the first film does an amazing motivational speech Mm -hmm. uh, where he's like, we're going to rip him. (laughs) We're going to tear him. (laughs) And so then in this one, when they're pushing the... uh, What would you call it? It's like a sort of training device for American football. It's meant to imitate a... I can only think of the word scrum. I don't know... what it is and he's standing imitate a group of men <laughs> drawn together but in arms oh, Maxwell Caulfield <laughs> so he's on the back of that he ends up falling in a pit which yeah. is the comic yeah. relief ha, ha, ha. Yeah. but he's on the back and he's like what are we going to do we're going to rip him we're going to tear him we're going to bite him <laughs> so good he's gone slightly Vince McMahon yeah. oh <laughs> from, uh, I don't from know WWE. how many people know Vince McMahon they're going to get that reference but it's, it's a good Vince McMahon um, yeah uh, Coach Calhoun Obviously, they're very appreciative of him coming back because he's in this film quite a lot. He gets a fair bit of shine in this mm-hmm. film. They're obviously just so grateful for anybody returning from the first he's film. He's like a classic actor, isn't he? Sid, Sid Caesar. Yeah. yeah. He died not that long ago, Sid Caesar, the last couple of years. Was he like 903 Yeah, 4 well, million yeah. years old. Yeah. And then <laughs> the rival biker Way. gangs show up. I didn't pick this up uh, in the actual film, but I learned subsequently through Wikipedia they are called... The Cycle Lords. Oh, that's not what I've got down. What are they called? I think they're called the Scorpions. That's the first film. Right. That's so the gang changed. in the first film. Yeah. So, okay, this is a bit weird because the gang in the first film is called the Scorpions. They're the ones who race them down at Dug the Road. Yeah. Um, and they then sort of morph into the Cycle Lords. There's more led, of them. <laughs> there's more of them. and But they're still led by the same guy who mm. uh, is the sort of weird looking bloke from the first film does he have a name apart from Craterface (laughs) 
He does have a name apart from I wonder from how comfortable face. that actor was with severe adult acne <laughs> being described as Craterface. I'm going to assume that was not even taken into consideration okay. in the casting of this film. Leo Balmudo mm-hmm. is his name, also known as Craterface. Um, and yeah, he is in the previous film, the same actor, Dennis C. Stewart. Yeah, they turn up and threaten the T-Birds uh, because of testosterone, I think. And they say they agree to go bowling later, which I assumed was like a slang for, like you know, if you talk about going rumbling right, or something, okay. you just go for a fight or something. But no, they actually go bowling. Going bowling. <laughs> Bowlerama. They go to the Bowlerama, yeah. Um, Johnny's with uh, Paulette now, by the way. It was the sort of Marilyn Monroe-looking uh, pink lady. Well, kind of budget Marilyn Monroe-looking. And um, I'm so happy my face could not be seen. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny says to Paulette to look special for the uh, the evening, oh. while he's just uh, just Michael is there, just staring aimlessly at Stephanie. <laughs> so they turn up at the bowler armor, and we get our first scene change of the uh, of the film. It's a long first section. It's a long act, yeah. There's some proper misogyny going on here. When, um, <laughs> yeah. They ask, uh, the T-Birds ask Johnny if he's going with Paulette, and he says he's giving her therapy for her nymphoid mania. <laughs> wow. Which I think is meant to be nymphomania, yeah. but Johnny's gimmick is that he says oh, words wrong. right, yeah. He calls albums albumens at what various the, Oh, and when we get to reproduction, <laughs> what does he say? What's the... Oh, men- mental stration. Mental stration instead of mental... He also says instead of vice versa, versa vice <laughs> I didn't really... I didn't know some point. pick up on all of Yeah, yeah, he said that's his thing. The bowling alley's got some nuns in it for some reason. So good. <laughs> They're one night off. <laughs> Maybe they do it in the darkness. Monday is bowling. <laughs> Tuesday is praying. <laughs> praying <laughs> on a Friday night. Until Monday. Everything yeah. is praying, except for when we go bowling. Um, I find nuns really funny. If there's a nun in a scene, I will just laugh. I don't uh, know why it love, is. Love the costume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I um, went as a nun for Halloween this year as did. well, you know. You went as a monk. Went we had a great a time. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah I've got, I'm a big fan of nuns. So if anybody wants to make me laugh, just show me a nun and that'll do it. And also got to admire their discipline. Yeah. Whether you agree with the, whether <laughs> you are a religious person or not. You've like, got to admire that, uh, yeah, that commitment. I wonder when they get time to practice the bowling. Whether that's just what they do on Mondays. I wonder if they... Yeah, maybe there's bowling alleys and nunneries there. <laughs> if any nuns are listening, do let us know if there are bowling alleys and convents these days. We'd love to know. Can I talk about bowling for a second as a yes, hobby? Yes, yes, okay, What yeah. do you think of bowling as a hobby? I'm not very good at bowling. I could have guessed that. Because of my poor wrist-to-hand <laughs> ratio. So, <laughs> What do you mean, you're so, poor? For the listeners, what do you mean? I don't have a lot of wrist strength. <laughs> So okay. I'll bowl about two, mm. and I it would literally feel like my hand is gonna detach from my <laughs> wrist. What is this a, a long, an ongoing medical condition? Or I mean, it's never got that bad to the extent where I've had to go and get. You're it not arthritic out. or anything. No. Okay. Um, Do you ever use the little slides that they give you? I don't use. No, okay. I don't use the slides. I, if I go, I would prefer the barriers were up. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, you're one of those um, people. I have many a good memory of Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> in my childhood. Oh yes, is this at Hollywood Bowl in Norwich? Or no, in, the... in Brighton. Oh, yeah, okay. I I did go to Hollywood Bowl in Norwich for mm-hmm. a beer once. Wow! Because we tried to get into Weatherspoons, <laughs> and my friend's shoes were deemed inappropriate for Weatherspoons. In a Weatherspoons? Yes. Jesus, I got thrown out of a Weatherspoons once. Please. Because I was <laughs> apparently I was making too much noise. 
in a, a Weatherspoons. Weather well, you've got to. They don't have a music license. I find bowling really weird. Okay. As a hobby, because it's so specific, but everyone is expected to go bowling at some point. It's mm-hmm. just one of the, if you grow up in the UK and probably America as well. Yeah. It's you need so many specific things for bowling. You need a specific place. You need specific gear. Yeah. But it's just so the sweaty shoes. The sweaty oh the horrible renter shoe. But every every town is expected to have a bowling alley, and everyone is expected to go bowling. The amount of kids parties I went to as a kid, I hasten to add, that were at bowling alleys. How did this become a thing? Why didn't it happen with something else, like snooker or darts? All the tropes of bowling, like the electronic score system that doesn't work, (laughs) the shitty chicken nuggets and chips afterwards. The horrible animations on the bowling alley. Who makes those? Is there a company that specifically makes bowling alley animations? That's like one of the things about culture, like how... How did these? How did the tropes of bowling, <laughs> of like non-professional bowling, develop? Yeah, because it is. The, you go to any bowling alley anywhere in the country. It's exactly the same. It's the same pop songs from about ten years ago because yeah. someone's put in. Now that's what I call music seventy-one or something into the CD player. You spend your last ten out on Just Dance two <laughs> at the arcade. Yeah, everyone goes to the arcade afterwards. I worked in a bowling alley for a very oh, brief did, period yes. of time. So that's where I think I really started to pick these things up. Yeah. I handed out the sweaty shoes. Oh. The thing, they, the, the spray they give you to yeah. clean it out, it's horrible. What I'm was that sure. made of? Did you go into... Cancer? I don't know. Oh, it's, it, I, I definitely shortened my lifespan by working in that bowling alley. Because I, I was reading... It's probably just from the fumes of the fried <laughs> food. <laughs> we then go into another song. Because it's time to score tonight. Our voices were almost as high as um, as not Danny's there because he hits a really high note at some point in this film. Is like. that when he's sliding down the? Yeah. That I had a big like realism gripe about that because <laughs> as a kid you're always told not to do that because of the like amount of wax. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I worked in a bowling alley. The blatant mm. disregard for the rules here. Oh really? I hope this. Were wasn't... you ever the waxer? No, no. I think oh, they got okay. a machine for that. Oh okay. No. I thought you were going to say a professional. <laughs> <laughs> that is a niche job. <laughs> this is Dave the waxer. He comes in once a week. Yeah, that was a blatant disregard for Lane's safety there. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope this wasn't filmed in an actual bowling alley, because they are slippery. Oh, that must have been filmed in an actual bowling alley. You wouldn't make that Really? No way would you make that They weren't real bowling balls, because they're like flinging them about. I don't know. This film had a budget of $12 million in 1981. So much spinning. That's the thing I picked up on. (laughs) Everyone is spinning. Everyone is swinging the bowling balls around. I don't like this song. against again. It's too too gimmicky for me. Mm -hmm. It's a song about bowling. But it's not, is it? It's a song about having sex. (laughs) But... They frame it through bowling. Yeah. As I mentioned last time, I don't like songs that use <laughs> metaphors. metaphors. And, and I just... It goes on for like ten minutes. It's so long. Paulette's got a good voice. The actor who plays Paulette's got a cracking voice. I, I haven't got anything... Well, I've got something to say about Maxwell Caulfield's voice, but that could wait. Apart from that, I didn't really pick up on I can imagine what you're saying, yeah. I like this song. Ah. I don't know why. What is it? Is it the campiness, do you think? Is it just the sort of showmanship and... Well, camp's not normally my thing when it comes to... Call of duty. Call of duty. (laughs) Um, Camp is sort of me out in the world, rather than my music taste. Oh, okay. Um, Why do you like it, though? I don't know. I I can't give you a definitive on why I like it. Um, I have nothing to say. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I have nothing more to say other than I didn't like it. So let's go back to uh, Maxwell Caulfield because Michael's outside the bowling alley and he's reading a guidebook. One of the best lines. Always be courteous when asking for a game. Hi. Want a game? Howdy, fellas. Let's bowl some balls. Bowling anyone? There's no guidebook with a bit on bowling in it, surely. Why, why is there a guidebook on American etiquette? Yeah. Who made this? It's this... Vi- virtually the same as British etiquette. Yeah. Except you speak a bit differently yeah. and, and you call... And you're a bit more brash. Yeah, that's exactly. It. And you call... And you ask pub... people, do you know castles? <laughs> <laughs> Subsection five of the guidebook. Castle chat. <laughs> so he's uh, he's looking to get in on the bowling action um, because he's a total fucking loser. We go back into the bowling alley. Johnny and Paulette are just making out just furiously. Whilst um, Dolores just yeah. watches. Yeah. She's, she's just there. She's learning that bad Western ideals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's made even weirder because Paulette is Dolores's sister. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, no. So, how, so Dolores is the little one, anyone who's seen the film. She's like, as we mentioned earlier, she's about 12. It's really weird. And she's essentially the pink lady's mascot because uh, she wants to be a pink lady one day. So she's sort of learning the ropes, doing it in sort of general dog's body stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's Paulette's dog's sister. She's yeah. the runner of the pink ladies. <laughs> And she's just watching her sister get it on with this guy. When you were at school, did you ever hear any weird psychosexual rumours about <laughs> any siblings or relatives? Or um, did anything go round? No, no. I, uh, I'm, an, I'm an oldest sibling. Okay. So I guess maybe it would have been the other way around for my brother. Mm. Um, sorry. I don't mean you. Yeah. Oh, right. Like, for other people. No, yeah, I, I don't okay. think so. Um, I would not. I would not want you to espouse <laughs> whatever happened. You know, your childhood a, trauma. On there's you. a rumour that. One of my friends in my year, her older brother did anal with somebody else who was in my year. Okay. That was a rumour that went round for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of siblings, obviously there was weird sexual rumours going yeah, around. Yeah. There's the rumour that somebody had a threesome. Right, yeah. Uh, obviously there was like people got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't think of anything with siblings. Why? Is this something that's come no, up No, it's just the sort of thing that, go- that... There are stories from my time at school okay. not involving me <laughs> but I'm not going to go into them oh, because okay. oh come on where's the, where's the juice where's the gossip <sighs> well, or are people going to chase you there's off two I can think don't of. name any names I'm not going to name any names the problem is one of them is so legendary that people will know <laughs> will know who it is oh you can't tease me like this and, right happened? I'll do the first one so okay. one of no mm. <laughs> you're so one torn. of my friends got accused of like practising kissing on his sister <laughs> That's not the worst one. That's that was, not the worst one. That was the warm up. And okay. then there was another girl who like <laughs> got labelled as like this hypersexual hussy yeah. in school. Yeah. And a rumour went round which I think was It was true. Okay. Well we can't we're not gonna cast any aspersions. Let's no, just no, say it, it was may a rumor. not be true. Let's say it's a rumour. It's a rumor. In case we are done for liable. So there was a, she got <laughs> Her first name got totally removed from the picture. Okay. And she became Cumfart Girl. Oh. No, no, don't say any more. Okay. Don't say, no. That's what you want. Oh. Cumfart Girl. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> School is so cruel. That poor girl. Jesus. Moving back to some semblance of normality. Yeah. Um, we get, we get back to uh, Johnny and Paulette making out. As soon as Johnny stops kissing Paulette, 
he just grabs Stephanie like right in front of her. Johnny's a dick. Yeah, he's... Johnny's a massive dick. It's almost you can't you can almost like not even forgive him for his fifties context yeah. as well. It's like that bad. Yeah, he's really bad. Um, he refers to Stephanie Stephanie as a trophy, which Stephanie for some reason doesn't like. <laughs> Bloody women. Oh. Stephanie then says, "I could kiss the next guy who walks through that door." Always a risky statement. Always a risky statement. Never happened at my school that Didn't... that sort of thing was said. No, plenty <laughs> of dares, plenty of uh, plenty of sort of uh, destruction of oh okay property uh, people's. <laughs> Lives. <laughs> sort of. Did you ever play like Seven Minutes of Heaven? Oh, in the in like the cupboard. Yeah, where you go you into a cupboard. cupboard. No, I never played that. Did you? Yeah. Was that weird? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't. And obviously, no one ever like fully went for it. it oh was yeah. Just like a kiss on the cheek. Sort oh of okay. thing. Yeah. Do you and actually have to spend seven minutes in the cupboard? Yes. Well. It it would become seven minutes because five of the seven minutes the people outside would be. You know, like, oh, you should go and do it. Oh, uh, oh no, he's ugly. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going in. Uh, so the big joke is that the guy who's sort of at the door is this old guy. And everyone's like, oh, i got to go kiss the old yeah. guy. Uh-huh. But as she walks over to the door, who should walk into the boulder armour but Michael Carrington himself? Because, of course, Stephanie grabs him, gives him a big old kiss. And Michael's like, oh, hello. <laughs> The flagpole has definitely been raised on the castle Way. this time. And, um, yeah, that's it. Stephanie just walks away after giving him a big old smooch. She kisses him with chewing gum in her mouth. Oh, okay. Because she old then, school. as soon as she walks away, she's still chewing her gum. So everybody bugs off except uh, Michael Carrington and uh, Dolores, the little pink lady. Oh, this scene. <laughs> Do you want to take this? Do you want to talk I mean, I this? haven't got a lot of notes okay. for it. I just... The note I I have is that the dialogue between Dolores and Michael is like porn porn bad yeah. dialogue. Not it's not porn dialogue. No, because Dolores is like hey. a, <laughs> but it's really bad. It's all these weird codes and rules and pledges about cycles. You gotta be a biker or a biker's old lady. But without a cycle, forget it. Pisses me off. We're both in the same boat. I sure can't afford a cycle without a job. Yeah, but me, I'm willing to negotiate. I offer to be a pink lady mascot. It ain't the coolest job, but it's a start. There's no rapport, there's no back and forth. It's just, they say their lines, uh, they get on with it. Yeah. Nothing happens. Dolores is sort of this sort of punky, like, mouthy little kid Mm -hmm. who, who says, who swears a lot and is like, this pisses me off all the time. And Michael is there just like, yes, hello. They sort of bond. They would bond more if they could act. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where Maxwell, sorry, Maxwell, Michael learns that where do they? Where does one begin and the exactly. other end? Michael learns that if he wants to get anywhere in this town, he needs a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So his quest begins. He takes the advice of a twelve-year-old girl, and <laughs> oh, there's a weird because he says like. He's, he says, like, well, I think it's time I walked you home. And um, oh. she's like, I don't need a babysitter. And then he says, well, why don't you think of it as a date? Oh. What? <laughs> she's a child. She's just told you she's a child. I, think she's, I looked her up and she's, like, barely 50. What, now? Yeah. Oh. She's not very old. Jeez, I'm going to see if it, if it says anywhere how old she is. Uh, probably not. It will It will say on Wiki. It does not say on Wikipedia. Does it not say how old she is? No, no it doesn't say. I must have had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird dream. So yeah, this is where uh, Michael finds out that he needs a motorcycle, setting off his art for the rest of the film. Yeah. 
great. We're back at school uh, and we meet uh, another one of the colourful cast of characters. We get introduced to Mr. Stewart for the first time, who is again another old school sort of Hollywood actor who is called, give me a second, Tab Hunter. He nearly almost doesn't make it into the film because he's almost run down by the pink ladies. (laughs) He's just walking and the pink ladies like drive into the parking spot really quickly and almost almost fucking kill him. People just gave so much less <laughs> about their lives in the 50s. Yeah, because Stephanie's there like, oh, sorry. And he's like, not a problem. He's not English. James Dean's like, yeah, I'm like one of the best actors ever. Yeah, I just ride really fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Mr. Stewart is a substitute teacher. I put presumably for that teacher who died earlier, Mr. Spears. Yeah. He gets introduced to uh, Miss McGee. And Welcome. Um, what's your Rydell name? Hi. <laughs> Um, Miss Mason walks over Miss McGee takes one look at her and stares straight down her top yeah and then I think Stuart does as well (laughs) there's some sort of chemistry between Mr Stuart and Miss Mason because both of their ages are imperceptible (laughs) Um, they're sort of hinted there's going to be some sort of romance between them it goes nowhere it does a lot no not even in the last scene you don't see them making out it's really weird because they put obviously put a lot of effort into building these two characters up, mm-hmm. and then just nothing happens to them about halfway into the film. It's really weird. We get um, the T Birds going over to the poster for the uh, the talent show. This is where they decide they want to enter to win the one hundred albumens. Not Kanicki is a fan of Roy Orbison. Can we play some Roy Orbison? <laughs> Is a very, very good vocalist. One of my favourite singers of all time. Really? Yeah, I love Roy Orbison. Is he your, you know, my left of field choice of like Sinatra, like, <laughs> the best vocalist ever? Yeah. Is he your. I don't think he's the best vocalist ever. Uh, he's probably up there in my top mm-hmm. five. Yeah, he's up there. Linda Ronstadt. Uh, do you know what? I don't think I've ever heard a Linda Ronstadt song. You're missing out. I'm sorry. Do I have to play a Linda Ronstadt oh, song? <laughs> it's your edit job. <laughs> Well, that was potentially Linda Ronstadt, if, I'm in, if I could be bothered at that point. If not, who knows? Oh, this is actually a very funny scene. Um, Mr. Stewart walks into the class and says, Hello, I'm your substitute teacher. All the kids just walk out straight yeah. away. That was actually quite funny. I'm very realistic as well. Very realistic. What, have you got any legendary oh, substitute teachers? Substitute teacher stories. There were some who were just completely useless. Like Nobody did any work. I remember once in my GCSE media class, and this was maybe... A month out from our exams, we had a substitute teacher who was not qualified in any way, shape or form to take the media lesson. Okay. And instead of doing... So it, open your textbooks time. No, not no, even that. Not even that. We, this was a double period over, it was like almost two hours of lesson time. And we spent the entire lesson coming up with the idea for our own films. Right. And then we had to make a PowerPoint presentation. Not on the curriculum no. at all. This was um, not on the Christmas. This was a last time. minute substitute job. Yeah, right, this yeah. was a I don't know what to do. Let's just do this for, you know, a hundred minutes. And um the winner got a box of Maltesers, <laughs> and that winner was me. Of course. Because uh we did it. This is the, the... so the sub at lunch had run to, <laughs> to Tesco <laughs> yeah, and got and got the uh, got the Maltesers. I think um me and my friend just couldn't be bothered, so we did a parody thriller about the um the Finder's horse meat scandal. Oh, I, know, I like that. Where yeah. um, uh, the hero. God, you're to... a weird child. 
the hero played by Jason Statham went to Romania to find out the cause of the horse meat scandal. I'm going to guess it was horse. Yes, it was. It was a, a man who was raised by cows as a child right, um, and, <laughs> and wanted to get revenge on the human race. Did you call it movie? We called it a, a Moo Good Men, I think oh. is what we called it. And the, here, the villain was called Sir Alfred Buttermilk. Oh, okay. Played by Al Murray, I think, for some reason. Because we just took the piss. Your children. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I think we were about 15, so it was great fun. Um, what about you? Uh, the one that sticks out for me, I, I literally, I don't know their name, like, because wow. it's the same as, um, uh, oh, uh, Comfort. <laughs> it's the same as Comfort. Stop girl. saying that. Sorry. So I don't, I don't remember her name, yeah. but she, she was known as Triangle Square Lady. <laughs> Can you think why she'd be known as Triangle Square? Was she a triangle on top of a square? You're not far off. <laughs> so she had a very square head. Oh. And then she had like one of those 90s haircuts where it sort of comes down. Oh, like a Rachel haircut. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> triangle Square Lady. So she was Triangle Square. <laughs> was she a good teacher? I don't remember. <laughs> You just remember the shape of her head. And the other substitute I remember was this guy who, like, stuff was getting thrown around. Oh. And, like, basically this pencil nearly landed in his eye. <laughs> and he just turned around and was like, I have grounds to sue you. <laughs> <laughs> so he became CU man. I've just remembered another one. We had a physics teacher who was some retired electrician. He only ever came in on Fridays to take okay. lessons. He once asked his class what day of the week it was. <laughs> he only came in on Fridays. Friday, man. That was like a one-minute scene. We talked about it for ages. Sorry, everyone. We get to the talent show rehearsals, hey. and uh, Michael is playing the piano for the creepy twins. Right, his piano playing is awful. <laughs> piano expert. He can't even mime playing the piano. I don't know how to play a piano, <laughs> but I'm going to guess like I could pick up the rhythm mm. of what I would need to do. To, he to is just it. fully down there just doing the same rhythm over and over again. He's got the claw hands, yeah, just not moving his fingers. Yeah, he hasn't even like, you know, made the hands a little bit flexible. Trying to articulate the hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's really bad. <laughs> Um, this bit I picked up on here in the previous scene where Michael meets Dolores for the first time she tells him that people like call her Woodchuck or Upchuck mm -hmm. but she prefers Dolores Dolores comes over Michael calls her Woodchuck <laughs> you dickhead <laughs> she's your only friend he, he must have slipped out because he's just focused so much on <laughs> eloquently playing that piano eloquently not playing the piano yeah uh, the, st <laughs> the twins start singing a song about a guy called Brad uh, you like a line in this song. Yeah, they point at his belt. Yeah. Uh, and his belt buckle is at the back. <laughs> Maybe that was like a cool 50s thing. I don't know. Um, it doesn't matter anyway, because he obviously fucks off with like another girl who's got his lapel yeah. on. <laughs> that was it, yeah. It's like the sort of story song. The, mm. the, the audition for the talent show. The Pink Ladies are there. They are doing a sort of calendar girls piece called A Girl for All Seasons, which we'll hear a bit Did more of you? later. It's a good song. Um, Michael asks Stephanie if she is uh, free after school, to which she replies, I'm free every day. <laughs> it's in the Constitution. <laughs> great line. This is a great line. He asks her out while he's playing the song. Time your moment, mate. Come on. And also, they're not on the stage. No. They're doing a practice 
on the side of the stage, <laughs> but they're not quite. They're not on, on the, the stage. stage. Yeah, it's the, the logistics of this are all wrong. One of the pink ladies is wearing a box with the word tree written on it, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. Um, Sharon is the one organising the dance. She is the one who sort of dresses up like Jackie Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Because um, President Kennedy gets mentioned a lot in this film. He's there's a picture of him in the uh, in the office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember if there. Who would the president have been in the previous one? Oh, Johnson. Oh, and if, no, Johnson's after Kennedy. Oh, oh that's it. Yeah. Of course. Uh, oh, I don't know. My fifties is bad. I, yeah, I mean, I I'm, I I could literally name everyone after <laughs> Kennedy, but. Whoever, whoever it was. I, can't think, I don't think there was a picture of him in the previous office. She gets angry at the dance, Sharon, and walks off. Um, everybody goes to leave. So Michael confronts Stephanie about the kiss at the bowling alley. Stephanie says it was a joke. Lol. <laughs> and then he keeps asking her out, despite the fact that she keeps saying no. Learn, man. Learn. What about tomorrow? <laughs> what about the day after tomorrow? Would you like a hamburger? A hamburger? <laughs> I will see you. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie essentially tells him she's not looking for Maxwell Caulfield yeah. and instead she wants a cool rider. So this is one of the two songs I knew about before seeing mm-hmm. this film. Um, it's the big centrepiece of this film, mm-hmm. I think. It's, it's the this is the film we're going to hang our hats on as the big hit. Yeah. It didn't happen, obviously. But essentially it's just Stephanie singing about um, what she wants in a man. She wants someone to sort of sweep her off her feet. She wants somebody... <laughs> she wants to see O-O-L. She's not got a bad voice. No. That's Michelle Pfeiffer. She does all right in this song. Um, you like the bit where she climbed up the ladder? I did, yeah, to represent some sort of climax, <laughs> I think. Um, this is the best song in the whole soundtrack for me. Do you think so? Yeah, I think it's... Re- I, don't, I don't know who the producer was. Mm. It sounds like a shit meatloaf song. Yes! Like, in the context of this film, it's the best song. It's very Steinman-esque, yeah. isn't oh, it? Yeah. Do you know what we could do on Bad Things? The solo career of Jim Steinman. <laughs> Something I picked up on in this is there's some graffiti behind Stephanie while she's singing that just says, Natalie puts out. <laughs> Because she wants to see you. Oh, oh, L. She dances off by herself. She does her weird wobbling dance thing again. Michael is just watching her because he's a creep. I uh, practiced this dance. <laughs> you know the bit where she of like... Of course you did. She shuffles and kicks. Yeah. That's the bit, like... Can you still do that now? I'd have to, I mean... Can I'm we do a video, do maybe, for uh, for the bad thing social media? I, could, I don't think I could do it. Oh, I, really, I couldn't do it when I was younger, oh, so I doubt now... I'll do, my, I will do it with you. With my ailing body, I could do it. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to persuade him, folks. It will happen at some point. This song is like a cross between Meatloaf and Cindy Lauper. Yes. Like, the vocals yeah, are like Cindy Very Lauper. Cindy vo- vocals, um, yeah. But yeah, she's not bad. She's not a bad singer. Yeah, she is a star. She is an absolute star in this film. She's the best thing about this film. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, very well deserving of her Poor fame. girl for this being her breakout <laughs> role. But, uh, she did well. I've heard her talk about it and she doesn't seem to have any gripes with it. Um, she, she talked went... to James Corden about it and watched a clip. Oh, okay. She looks exactly the same as yeah. she did. She is still in incredible um, shape, Yes, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she's had subtle surgery. Mm. Um, I'm not a fan of plastic surgery at all, <laughs> but um, if you're going to do it, then do it subtly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's an, she is an absolute star, and I think yeah, very well deserving of her uh, breakout after this to get away from the absolute 
shitstorm that followed this. Carrington! <laughs> Speaking of Carrington, and he is approached by Lewis of the T-Birds. I've got such a weird comment for this bit. <laughs> okay, shall I do what? Okay, so essentially what happens is um, Lewis has heard that Michael is very smart and he's good at history, so he asked him to write him a paper for money. Uh, was it papers for papers? Es- essays for cash. Essays for cash. Yeah. Which reminded me in the UK <laughs> of the political scandal Cash for Honours. <laughs> this is so random. Yeah, why I don't this know why. Up? I don't, it just. <laughs> I think it was John explain? Major. Yeah, I think yeah, it might that's have been, why yeah. he looked like ended up losing. Like, <laughs> one of the reasons honours for cash. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, Michael agrees so he can make enough money to buy a motorcycle. We then meet uh, Lewis, he comes and collects the essay in Michael's uncle's fallout shelter. <laughs> Which at the time I had no idea why it was there, but it is later explained. Yeah, so I wrote down, one, how many essays is he writing to yeah. buy a bike? Yeah. It's got to be a lot. Two, why does he live in a bomb shelter? <laughs> Does he live there? Do you no, think? he doesn't live okay. there. No, I, I work That's not his room. Oh, okay. And three, is he so British that he still thinks it's World War Two? <laughs> in case the Nazis come, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, going to stick it to Jenny. <laughs> yeah, he's in the Fallout shelter. We'll be um, together. <laughs> he writes a bunch of uh, a bunch of essays for all of the um, T birds. who've all got a rep to protect. Apparently, do you? <laughs> They're not uh, known as, like, eloquent guys. Academics, no. no. That, if anything, this would harm your rep if you did well in school, surely. We're going to come now to my favourite part of the whole film, because Mr Stewart is teaching a class on... It's the other song I knew about before I started watching this film. It's now, called reproduction. Yeah, my biology must be really bad because I initially thought he was drawing a vagina, <laughs> but he was not. He was drawing a stamen. Make your own assumptions based on that, everybody. <laughs> he um, there's a, there's a really weird bit of production here where um, Mr. Stewart asked Davy when the best time for a woman to conceive is. Did you pick up on this? No. The camera zooms in on Mr. Stewart's face, right? And he just looks so super, super creepy. Because it's starting here, and then there's like a really quick zoom in on his face, where he's just like, when's the best time for a woman to (laughs) conceive? Not Danny is reading porn. Yeah, Just in the middle of the, yeah, as you do. His Playboy porn probably was back then. Back in the day, it must have been. There's a naked lady in there, which comes up later. Now it's just a drop in the universe. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) Dehumanising. Do they even make Playboy anymore? They do. Do they? Oh, okay, even after Hugh... They must do. Popped his clogs, yeah, popped his slippers. The question sort of gets thrown around of when's the best time for a... Woman to conceive. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody says at night, which is quite funny. good line. Good line. Um, the boob lady comes in because, of course, she does. What? Hi. She's there for no reason. Yeah. She's just like, oh, I'm checking in on you. <laughs> Do you like my boobs? With my boobs. <laughs> Hi. Because, um, of course, she is. She's Did you super... know I'm seventy three? <laughs> <laughs> She's being super flirty with Mister Stewart. He's talking about pollination. Um, he can't sing. <laughs> I didn't think he was awful. Really? Yeah. Uh, he sort of talks in. Yeah, talks in. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he does all right. Now you see just how the stamen gets its lusty dust onto the stigma. And why this frenzied chlorophyllous orgy starchy spring is no enigma. It's, you know, it's quite a well written song. 
to get all these big words in there. Which, yeah. you know, I normally, you know, I don't like the metaphors, but I didn't mind it here. I think because the whole song was a metaphor, I didn't really... It reminded me of a sort of educational song that you'd hear in school when you were like seven. But obviously Did without... you have the uh, electromagnetic spectrum at school? Oh, how did this go? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> it, oh. Radio, radio waves, waves microwaves, <laughs> infrared, <laughs> radiation, visible light, ultraviolet, x-rays, gamma rays. <laughs> How do I remember that? Did you have the proton song as well? <laughs> I don't remember the proton. No, the natural decay song, that's what it was. No, I don't remember the natural it's decay. decay. Natural decay. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> We had a teacher who would write his own songs. Okay. Um, and instead of um, How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees, yeah. he did a, one about maths, which was How Steep Is Your Slope? Okay. And to me, you've got to know How Steep Is Your Slope? There's some great lines in this song. It's, it is all about the lines. Yeah. My favourite is um, Make My Stamen yeah. Go Berserk. The look in that girl's eyes <laughs> when she says that line. She's so intense. She wants it. Everybody is horning after everybody else mm-hmm. um, because they're teenagers. Paulette asks Mr. Stewart if he's carrying a condom. Mr. Stewart, is it true that guys like you, you know, mature and all, carry some protection with them for sexual occasion? Oh, What's God. The big deal? Great voice. Uh, one of the t- one of the teammates has a rabbit <laughs> for no reason at all. He's just got a rabbit. Um, oh, those rumours at school where they'd be like, "Yeah, we're gonna get a zoo next." Year. <laughs> Never happened. Never happened. Uh, and the song ends when Miss Miss McGee looks into the classroom, sees the song, and is of course horrified. Mm-hmm. This is great. Yeah. This whole thing is amazing. Hands down, not even a hint of irony. Loved it. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. It's so much fun. It's just so over the top and ridiculous. The characters get their moments in. Mm-hmm. The song itself is really good. Gets stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. Love it. I hadn't until you said I hadn't thought about like the words that they mm. had to work through here. It's really, really impressive. Yeah. Uh, it plot wise, it brings nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, it's never mentioned ever. We, we're again. aware all of these people are horny. We definitely <laughs> use this as well to tell us that. Yeah. Definitely. Carrington is in the scene. Is he? Yeah, but all he does is like, oh, sex. <laughs> oh, I'm British. No one has sex. There's in, nothing here in the guidebook in about British, this. <laughs> so after this happens, I don't know if I've imagined this or not, but Mr. Stewart is in a rush to leave. Is he? Yeah, he's sort of rushing about. Well, he probably I needs mean, to get one out. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, God. I can't believe I just said that. Because <laughs> he goes off into like a, a room mm. and he looks really worried. Is he going to have a wank? <laughs> I he... hope you brought some protection for the sexual <laughs> occasion. And then there's another great line um, where one of the female students goes oh, up to yeah. Miss McGee and says, I'm really worried. I've missed my last two periods. And her response is, you can just make them up after school. Oh, and then her face when she oh, leaves and the penny drops. So good. That's it... all right, dear. <laughs> That's all right, dear. Oh, she, Miss McGee is a, is a proper standout character for me. Uh, she, I would She's like fantastic. to see some of... Is it Eve Arden? Uh, yeah, Eve Arden. I, I would like to see some of her... Uh, earlier classic Hollywood yeah. stuff. I reckon she's really good. She nails it. She's really, really good. So Michael's got enough money for a motorbike. 
That's a lot of essays. That's a lot of essays. Yeah, considering he had to write his own essays as well. He's fixing up the bike as Stephanie's ghost is singing Cool Rider. Oh, yeah. The ethereal vocals come in. Um, He's practicing on his bike and stacks it multiple times. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I've written down here, is he in Hyde Park? (laughs) (laughs) I've had to return back to Blighty to learn how to ride this motorcycle. It wasn't a very American-looking park. No, it it looked like a sort of shitty public like housing estate park. No, sorry. Oh, no. I love (laughs) Ipswich. Sorry. I should have said that. Oh, no. We're going to get sued by the mayor. Ipswich is a lovely place, the jewel of Suffolk. Great line from Carrington. I'm trying to ride that motorcycle without bloody well killing myself. I'm trying to ride this motorcycle without bloody well killing Kill myself. myself. <laughs> you went a bit sort of Cockney governor there. Because he doesn't know what his voice is. <laughs> so we're back in the talent show, and Michael is horning over Stephanie from the piano again, and we get some dorks singing Mr Sandman. Mr Sandman. Boys. Look, good, clean-cut American boys. I know. Bloody Mr. Sandman. Do you not like that song? It's just overused. Like You think so? Yeah, I think it's overused. Mm. And it also really reminds me of that Buddy Holly one that's like, Every day is <laughs> again closer. Do you not like that song? No, I do, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't I like Buddy Holly. But every time I hear like the... It's like almost like a ticky yeah, sound see. for both of them. You get your hopes up, and then it's like, so great with like you know posh music words. <laughs> you are the music expert on this podcast, apparently. It's a worrying title. Yeah, a very worrying title. The T Birds come up next. They do um, the early version of the song "Prowlin'," which we'll talk about a bit later on because we get the full works. They are intentionally bad yes. here, aren't they? Yeah, they're a bit rubbish. Miss McGee says that they're her boys. Mm-hmm. When has she ever liked them <laughs> that throughout is this film? Point, she yeah. can't even remember what they're called. She calls them the T-Bones. Well, I think it's that dynamic, isn't it, of like... Sort of Holmes Moriarty, the sort of one can't live without the other. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, okay, because... Batman and the <laughs> <laughs> McGee Which and the one T-Bones. Is... <laughs> T-Bones. Which one is McGee? Is she the Batman or the Joker? <laughs> McGee is Batman. McGee, yeah. Nothing She's so. the principal <laughs> Gotham needs. <laughs> That is a, a remake I would love to see. Um, I'm here to save <laughs> Gotham. Michael's good at riding the bike now. He's been practicing in Hyde Park, and he gets good. I don't know how long this takes, but because the whole the film is set over a year, right? Because we start at the beginning of the school year and we end at the end of the oh, school okay. year. Oh, so. I don't know whether it was a semester, maybe. You don't you don't graduate at the end of oh, semester, do you? Don't yeah. They? Yeah. So uh, he, uh, who knows how long he's doing this for? If so, that is some dedication. Just find somebody else, Michael. For God's sake! Again, there's this weird cutting. We're back to the talent show. Uh, the T Birds get in because there aren't enough acts, um, mm. which was a good line from Eugene. They're spying on the dorks who are just singing randomly in the showers. I've labelled them the Republican boys. <laughs> Yeah, they're very Republican. You could you, you, you could put a spirit measure along the bottom of their jaws and it would stay completely flat. Yeah. So American. Then we get... Uh, we're back to the bowling alley. God, the cutting in this. This is ridiculous. Um, and the 40-year-old biker gang are back because everyone in the cycle laws just looks like they're in their mid-40s. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. Dolores has a go at the leader who's just sat there, crater face. Uh, and the T-Birds think he's out there by himself, so they go out to... It's a clever ambush. Oh, it's cheap. Oh, crater face. He's more than, more than just a crater face. They go out to have a go at him, but the rest of the cycle lords have turned up, and they've been, they've been had, I tell you. They've been had. The T-Birds go back inside, but one of them... 
Which one was I it? I don't fucking know. It was, but... it, was it Davey? I think yeah, it was Davey. not 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 Danny and not not Kanicki. Okay. Some oh, it's definitely two. Davey then. Yeah. It's definitely... Not Lewis. Not, not... No, just Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> He's not not anybody. Yeah, yeah. It's Davey. Um, Davey gets beaten up by, um, by Craterface. But who should come and rescue him? <laughs> but Michael fucking Carrington. <laughs> In disguise. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? Where did he come from? Who's that guy? Picked up someone I never knew. Anyone could be so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So this leads into a big sequence where, um, Where Michael, who is disguised very poorly, I might add. You could just tell it was Michael. It's Michael. He's wearing some goggles and a helmet. It's a shit disguise. Uh, He comes and saves him, and everyone's like, well, who's that guy, as we just heard? Um, Everyone watches on, singing this song. Um, This was where I realised that Michael hasn't actually done any singing yet. Yeah. He's the lead male, and he's not sung a single note. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) But don't worry, my... um... My, my worries are answered seconds later because he sings for the first time in this film. And I'm actually going to play it for you now because it's the funniest fucking thing you've ever heard of your entire life. Who's that guy? Can I hear your impression? <laughs> <laughs> what would they say if they knew it was Michael? <laughs> they ride motorcycle with Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it's glorious. His initial bike is really shit. Yeah, it's like a little moped, yeah. isn't it? It's it's. I mean, obviously, he didn't make as much money from those essays as we thought. Maybe there's a sexual metaphor here in that <laughs> it's not the biggest, but he controls it well <laughs> with practice. Here's a question: How big do you think Maxwell? No, would no, be the face. There's no way we're going to do that. Um, Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> what would they say if they knew it was Michael? <laughs> I hate this song so much. This again, you this song like is this. shite. No, hate oh. it. What about the bit where the like scorpion? What are they called? The, the cycle lords. The cycle lords. And uh, Crayfly is like, there's gotta be a rumble. <laughs> it's come back to Vince McMahon again. <laughs> We're gonna rip them. <laughs> oh Jesus! Essentially, the crux of this is that Stephanie takes one look at this guy and is like, "That's my cool rider." What a shit way to fancy someone yeah I know like Stephanie giving it all this throughout the entire film like maybe I don't want to be someone's chick or mm. I don't, I'm not a trophy as soon as some guy turns up on a bike she's like take me <laughs> but what would she say <laughs> <laughs> so Stephanie's in love and this gets the pink ladies questioning her loyalties mm. because they're in the code she stays outside <laughs> yearning for him yeah um, apparently in the code it says that they have to date the T-birds mm-hmm. which is fucked which is super duper the code the fucking code this is kind of I I did appreciate the effort like I said the effort they went into building the mythos Mm -hmm. I'd quite like to if they did do more TV or sequels for Greece that could be something that could be explored a bit more Mm -hmm. I think the mystery rider turns up to light Stephanie's cigarette (laughs) he can't even hold a cigarette (laughs) sorry a lighter yeah he's just lighting the lighter he's like (laughs) she literally says immediately before this 
that she's tired of being someone's chick, to which I think it's um, Paulette says, are you feeling okay? <laughs> oh, Feminism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as this rider turns up, all that goes out the fucking window, because she's like, oh, hi, hello, can you light my cigarette? <laughs> oh my God. What, what character is that from your subconscious? It's Michelle Pfeiffer. It's, it's impeccable. He offers Stephanie a ride, um, but the police turn up. So... He, this is the r- most ridiculous moment. He jumps over the police car with no ramp, with no assistance. I've put here that he must have inherited the same powers that made the car fly away at <laughs> yeah, the end yeah, of Grease yeah. 1. It must run in the family. He just jumps over the, the you police. You know that was an alternate ending that was considered was it as really? well. They were going to fly off on a motorbike. No. Oh, God. I, can't, I think I would have appreciated that, actually. And he's just... He's gone, and the police are like, oh, well, never mind. We won't go after him or anything. Jeez, police cuts. <laughs> Actually, what would they... What, like, law would they assault? I, no, I he just, like, they... kicks greater yeah. face. Well they, well, they didn't see anything yeah. either, so I don't know, just disturbing the peace. <laughs> Michael confesses to Frenchie that he was the rider. This is Frenchie's last scene in the film. Um, this might be Michael's best scene. It's not saying much. Yeah, it's not saying much. But no, mm, I don't. I can't think of anything that stands out. Really. Just because of the bizarreness of what he says to Stephanie. Oh, this is great. Do you want to say what? Because Stephanie comes in and Michael's like, "I'm going to tell her," and then he bottles it. So um, Michael's being a big bollocks, basically, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, when Steph comes, in, <laughs> I'm going to sell her some apples and pears. I'm going to tell her that oh, I was the one on that big old bike. Yeah, look at my chili deals." And then Frenchie's like, "Oh, here she is." And this is not the actual this is not the actual dialogue yeah. and he's like oh gosh she's here that's one with the vagina <laughs> the stamen so she's doing her lipstick mm. and then he's just like no, that's out. <laughs> have you ever read a Superman comic <laughs> have you ever read uh, a Superman comic not in the last few hours oh I was just checking she replies so quickly for such yeah. a bizarre question <laughs> So, like, it's New Year's Eve tonight when we yeah. record this. Can you imagine if we go to this... <laughs> if, if, if we go to this party tonight, walk up to somewhere like, oh, um, have you ever read a Superman comic? <laughs> Please, can we? Can we do that at least once? That's going to be so good. Is Maxwell Caulfield actually English? Because his accent is all over he the place. He is English. He is actually. Yeah. I thought he might have been Australian his for a bit. His name is Maxwell Caulfield. <laughs> Maxwell. Bang, bang. Play, play, play it in. Play it in. We might have to work on a parody of that for Maxwell Caulfield. Bang, bang. Maxwell's terrible acting came down. Silver moon. No, it doesn't work. No, we'll, work. We'll think of something. Attention, attention, please. This is a test. I repeat, this is a test. Please proceed to your nearest shelter. Boys to one side, girls to the other. Run, run, run! Bitch, please do not panic. Oh, Miss McGee, it's so loud. <laughs> please do not panic. We get a nuclear test attack simulation. Miss McGee and Blanche are on the... Um, Really? The old siren. I just love their relationship. They work yeah. so well together. It's so sweet. It's just two Hollywood dames having a laugh. Just two old ladies just being brilliant together. That is probably my favourite running theme through the film is them together. They're fantastic. Did you hear Calhoun's um, deeply uh, politically sound method? Of... Nuclear war is like football. <laughs> yeah. 
He suggests intersecting a nuclear bomb. Is that a thing? Can you do that? I'm not an expert, but no, absolutely okay. not. It would then just explode in the sky, right? It's yeah. It wouldn't. Yeah. There's a reason he teaches gym and not physics. Let's just. Well, Reagan it. had that Star Wars thing. He did have he? Star Wars, but that yeah. never came to. Fruition, Nothing ever happened yeah. with that. Yeah, that was just mm-hmm. him running out of sense, really. Mm-hmm. And then we get probably the creepiest bit of the whole <laughs> film. So Lewis, who at this point has been quite unassuming in everything... I'm going to say, I don't think it's that creepy. I think this is horrendously creepy. Really? Yeah. He lures... together. Oh, God, they shouldn't you, be, the, though. Yeah, what, yeah, what's that supposed to mean? You said the word lure. He does lure her. And now her. I'm like, shit, this is creepy. <laughs> Let me educate you. Yeah. So he takes... Sharon, who he's going out with, into the, this random bomb shelter. It's not Michael's uncle's, it's... Is it a different one? No, it's a different one, oh, yeah. It? It's somebody else's. Um, and then, not Danny and not Kanicki start playing a nuclear siren outside, and Lewis is like, it's the Russians! <laughs> and Sharon's like, oh no, we're gonna die! So Lewis starts singing, and he uses nuclear war as an excuse to bang her. Yeah, let's do it for our country. The red, white, and the blue. It's Uncle Sam who's asking, so your mother will approve. You don't think this is rapey? Yeah, this is this is bad. Oh, it's just... I think I just took the humour from it, which is a bad thing that I do a lot of the time. <laughs> it is, you know, objectively quite funny, but the overtones are just horrific. This is awful. The line I took from it is the line where they start listing the American landmarks. Just think about it, Sharon. It would be like as if we were doing it for the Statue of Liberty. Or the Grand Canyon! Yeah, the New York Yankees. It'll be like we're doing we're, it. We're doing it for Disneyland. Disneyland. Yeah, I'm I think sort so. of wondering which American landmark were we personally screwed for. <laughs> what you mean, you and me would screw? No, in not different us. No, people. I'm not going to lure you. Excuse <laughs> me. I'm not going to lure you into the, the bomb shelter. Into the bomb shelter. That's what. That's how this podcast started, actually. Nathan lured me in. Uh, what American landmarks would I bang to? I've been to San Francisco, so probably the Golden Tram. <laughs> Not the angle of those hills, that would be horrific. Ooh. Alcatraz. <laughs> so, Mount Rushmore is the one I have. <laughs> You'd have sex with George Washington, Theodore Roosevelt, <laughs> looking over Just to the background. <laughs> Sharon joins in at the singing at this point, um, and for some reason she runs outside uh, and discovers the whole thing is a ruse. Uh, no, doesn't she run out because they accidentally fall in? Because they're listening to what's going on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, or she opens the door and they mm. fall in. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's a big thing. Like in the fifties and sixties, is men listening to their mates having sex. Why? Well, little Richard got done for it. So. <laughs> well, he actually, I think he used binoculars. So. Oh God! <laughs> so that whole farce is over. Again, no relevance to the rest of the plot. It's just a bit, bit creepy. Mm-hmm. The song is, I think, at the time. Would have been fine. Oh, it's good fun. Just, nobody cares. Nobody cared. Um, but yeah, it's good fun. We're at a petrol station now. Not the one owned by uh, Danny and Sandy in the future, but the one that Stephanie works at. Can she just do one job yeah, at a time? Yeah, I know. It's just, she's serving loads of different people. Imagine her with like, social media. She'd be rubbish. <laughs> Michael turns up under the mask. Um, I notice he's wearing a leather jacket, but no shirt Yeah, underneath. It's very warm in California. <laughs> I can't believe that she doesn't know it's Michael because she's looking directly at him. The camera can see his eyes, <laughs> therefore human beings can see his eyes. He has a superb chin. Like, you're going to yeah. remember that chin. He's got a hell of a chin. Yeah, yeah. you cut yourself on that chin. <laughs> um, I know, like, they go for a ride 
Um, Stephanie just like essentially just gives her job up to go for a ride with this guy. Um, she starts straddling him like she swifts, she swings around on the bike. So f- that was actually Pfeiffer. I looked this really? up. Really? Yeah. <sighs> She's at the back of the bike. She swings around and is like straddling him on the front of the bike. That is impressive. If that's if that was her, how is this any different to what she was doing with Johnny? What do you mean? Like he's a motor, he's a like motorbike rider. Yeah, but maybe she find. I guess she finds whoever this guy is. <laughs> well, <that> this <laughs> um, she finds him despite having barely any interaction yeah. with him. She finds him more respectful. I guess <laughs> he's not said anything to I know. her. That's why. Just because he was like, oh, do you yeah. want to... Here's a lighter. <laughs> if you read a, cig- a Superman comic. <laughs> um, also, I just put, why can't Stephanie learn to ride herself? Ah, uh, she's got a vagina. <laughs> You're just not allowed. Oh, sorry, my mistake. They make out in the sunset. It's all very romantic. Uh, Michael goes to tell Stephanie who he is. He actually has the glasses raised. Yeah. Um, so you can see slightly more of his face than you could already see. Uh, but the T-Birds turn up and scare him off. The T-Birds are all on their motorcycles, except for one of them. He's in a little sidecar. <laughs> Was that Davey? I think that's Davey. Yeah. Yeah. He's, oh. He's the yeah. Ringo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Davey's the Ringo. He can't even do a good drum fill. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even the best drummer in the T-Birds. Michael says to Stephanie that he'll see her at the talent show. Get Stephanie wondering, Oh, I wonder how he knows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how he knows about the talent show. She's now in EastEnders. <laughs> Stephanie! <laughs> Michael! Um, Paulette. Oh, I say. <laughs> uh, Paulette starts having a go at Danny. Um, he says, uh, she says that he needs to decide who belongs to who, which is feminism, I guess? Mm. <laughs> I like that she's standing up for herself. He's, got but... the, he's, he's still in control, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, he's still a massive knobhead. The um, fact that it's still framed as like a like option yeah. for him, yeah, yeah, not cool. Yeah, Johnny is Johnny is horrible. You know what? Do it for our country's fine. <laughs> that statement though, not good. The pink ladies walk away, uh, and the Tevers decide to go prowling. Well, come on and tell us, Johnny, what's the secret of success? You gotta take a tip from the king of hip, cause you know that he's the best. So, this is um. <laughs> we thought the last song was creepy. This is uh, this is also very very creepy. They're talking about going prowling for sex, <laughs> which I firstly thought they meant prostitutes. Oh my god! <laughs> no, just, like, just some girls in some checkout counters. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they talk about going to the grocery store. Is this a metaphor? Is this an actual place, or is a grocery store like? Does it mean something else? I don't know. I think it could be both. Okay. I think. Like, what did you take from this? Because you like this as I a love song, this song, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love this. Like the. It's like a blue-eyed soul. It's song. like a proper old school, like yeah, sort of fifties rock and roll. I got more sort of rockabilly. It's great. Yeah. And this is a really well-written song, um, and he performs it really well as well. Yeah. He's got such a good voice. Adrian Zemed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant as uh, as Johnny Noggerelli. Subject matter not good. No. It. I mean, you could see it as more straightforward that they're just out on the town, mm. but that's not what's going on. No, they're definitely... Yeah. Um, but love the vocals, 
and love the instrumentation so <laughs> those are the two components of the song um, and it's good. sounds like some song and I'm yeah. trying to work out what it is is it the best no Cool Rider's your favourite yeah and then this. I'd put Prowling up there and also the, the Four Tops yeah. back to school again I, I would yeah I'd say that was that was pretty good and then we cut back to Boob Lady's class um, who asked to see Stephanie about her Shakespeare essay um, she needs help rewriting it, mm-hmm. so she goes out with Michael to some random diner, which is just in the middle he of the got desert. His burger. <laughs> Would you like to go for hamburgers? Hamburgers. <laughs> there is no chemistry between Michael and Stephanie. Maxwell is so awkward around her; they they would not get on. They would not have anything to talk about. This is like Nathan age 16 levels of awkwardness. Like, this is bad stuff. He's just an utter, utter dolt the whole time when she's just there talking about this guy and he's just like, oh, that's nice. And they're alone. Yeah. He could just say yeah. there. Oh, yeah, why didn't he say? Because the Superman incident, like, all the others were around. Yeah, and he sort of... Um, it was sprung on him at the last minute. He didn't know that this he was going He's her. got, like, a good three hours where he's got to write this essay. Yeah, exactly. They're in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. so no one's going to see it. Um, when they bang in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's meant to be this cute bit where um, Stephanie offers Michael a bite of her hamburger. Did you see his face? <laughs> When he almost goes to take a bite, and he's just like, <laughs> was he like that guy in Come Time with me? <laughs> Have you seen no, this clip not seen where that. he eats like an entire whisk? <laughs> oh yes, I have seen. That. <laughs> he goes to bite the burger, which would have been a really fucking weird thing to do, and then he just goes, uh, "No, thank you." Um, eventually turns it down. Did you notice the way that he uh, manages to win her over by saying the word incestuous? Incestuous. <laughs> You're a really smart guy, you know that? You know all this deep junk and everything. I don't understand that deep junk any better than you do, really. I just uh, seem to know a few big words that impress English teachers. That was basically my degree. <laughs> what, the word incestuous? No. <laughs> Michael asks Stephanie out again, but she says no. This time it's sort of framed more like it's because of this code rather than the fact that she doesn't like oh, she want, Yeah, she wants to go out with him, but she can't because, because she's bound by this code. Fucking dumb code. Um, Michael says, well, I think the code stinks. <laughs> I bloody well hope it changes. <laughs> and he walks out. Um, no chemistry whatsoever between these two characters. It is painful. <laughs> it is. There's more chemistry between between him and fucking Dolores than there oh, is between... Don't say that. ...than there is between him and Stephanie. I like Stephanie as a character. I'm really mm. endeared to her. Don't like Michael at all. Michael's just not in it much. No, he's, he's the main guy and he's not in it. Because yeah. the, they realised pretty early on what they were dealing <laughs> with, I think. So, after Michael goes off because the code the code bloody stinks, um, not Danny and not Kanicki show up for some reason and they start harassing Stephanie. Uh, not Danny officially declares that he and Stephanie are over months after the fact that it actually happened. Um, We're like over, over, over. We are officially over as an item. He then tells Stephanie to leave the pink ladies or he'll beat Michael up. (laughs) Why doesn't Stephanie just leave? Um, Could she? That's a good point. Because it's status, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess all her friends are there. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't sound more hassle than it's worth. This guy's a knob. Like, Johnny is an absolute knob. 
Did you have lots of factions at school? Mm, there were none of them had names or anything. Right. We had like the groups, and there was the classic thing at lunchtime where everyone sat with yeah, yeah, their group. Their... And... I just don't. Know. I, I was a floater. I floated between. All I was a floater ones. for a long time, yeah. and then I found like my solid group Your of friends. Group, yeah. yeah, I found my. No, I think I always had. Did you not find a floater quite depressing? No, because you're only ever a quarter involved. In I like everyone's that. Shit. Okay. I liked being able to see all the different mm-hmm. things, all the plates spinning. Mm-hmm. I quite like that. Always watching, but never interfering. Stephanie sort of storms off in a huff. Uh, not Danny punches a wall in anger, and not Kanicki also punches the wall, which I thought was quite funny. Michael's been watching them the whole time. Where from? <laughs> I don't know where he is. How do they not see him? There's literally nobody else there in this desert. There's so many scenes in this film with Michael just watching people. Because they're quite... like, just stand over there yeah. and do some facial expressions. Stand over there, look like Cliff Richard, and you'll be fine. So we then go to the cafeteria, and Stephanie is incredibly awkward with Michael for reasons. I don't mm, know why. Because she, she wants it now. She wants a bit of coffee. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> and now this is, this is another song. It's called Charades. <laughs> I think we'll hear a bit of it first, and then I've got, I've got a few interesting things to say about mm-hmm. this. I know you do as well, but for now, here is My- Maxwell Caulfield's only solo song in this... Film that he Call is the back. main the main Call character back. of charades. both in agreement on the actual quality of the song itself. You hate it, don't you? I think with a different vocalist it has potential. Okay. But with Maxwell, <laughs> no. I see it as a sort of Carpenters style song a bit. Mm. But I don't know whether that's because the Carpenters did a song called Masquerade <laughs> and I'm just sort of going through the list of mask related <laughs> songs. His voice is not strong enough for mm-hmm. He's got a really weak voice. He can't really hit the punchy notes like if you know if Adrian Zamed was singing this song, that'd be very different. Charades! <laughs> Charades! But, yeah, it's not a good song. What did you think of the actual staging of this performance? He doesn't sing it for, like, half of it. Yeah, it's framed as it being inside his head. Okay. So he's singing it to himself as he's wandering around the cafeteria by himself. Um, That's one sad song to be carrying chips. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I actually thought... I, I actually quite enjoyed the way this was staged, because... He was singing it inside his own head. It sort of reflected how he felt trapped. Because the whole song is about him being one person one time and one person the other time. Mm-hmm. And how he wishes he could just be the person he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't even look at it that deeply. Okay. This, is my, this is my film master's coming in here. <laughs> so I quite like the idea of him being trapped singing that song in his own head. So he can't even express himself that way. It does look weird though. When it the song, is, weird, the song yeah. is playing and he's not moving his mouth. 
Um, it's not those music videos where they have to clump footage together yeah. over the track <laughs> yeah. and no one's seeing the track. Yeah, or like li- when they do like live shots and they're just clearly singing a different song over the top <laughs> oh, of them. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like when he actually did start singing out loud. I found that really jarring. Okay. With the, I kind of pre- would have preferred it had it just been all in his own it head. Comes out of nowhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, everyone's, and it, everyone's disappeared from the cafeteria. He walks onto the set of the talent show and he's singing in the shadows <laughs> and it's all very mysterious and... You uh, remember a lot more of this than I do. <laughs> it's the film masters. He's drawing hearts in his exercise book. So many hearts. <laughs> what, is he six? What the fuck is he doing? He's such a freak. I remember I was... Uh, did you ever do the maths challenge at school? Yeah, we did the maths challenge. Where it was like a total piss about test. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like people would like talk during the maths challenge. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I was next to a guy who was yeah. like with this girl. Mm. And he'd finished the maths challenge and he was just like writing like... Duh, duh, four. No, duh, duh, people actually do this. that. Yeah, Jesus, he was so into her. Was it Maxwell Caulfield? No, it wasn't. I can't say his name, no, unfortunately. Never, never. What happened to the relationship? Are they still together? No, it's <sighs> like year nine. <laughs> I remember that because I also dated her. At, <gasps> so yeah, it was, a, no. it was a heartbreaking thing to see at the really? time. Really? Yeah. Were you? Oh, had you dated her before yes, this guy? Yeah. Oh, this is your summer fling right here. <laughs> There's a, it's a really funny bit where Michael's walking down the corridor and he goes to slam some lockers and he just does it the least effort possible. He's just like... He's got, he's got the small wrist. That's why he can't bowl. So it's the night of the talent show. Michael turns up out front in his mask as he promised to uh, grab Stephanie. I don't know what they were planning on doing. But they are confronted by the T-Birds who turn up and a chase ensues on some motorbikes. Stephanie and the pink ladies are chasing after them in the car. Uh, there's a good line, I think it's Sharon who says it, where she says, um, we're going to die and I'm wearing my mother's underwear. <laughs> I love that line. I think that's really funny. Um, they get to this unfinished bridge and Michael goes sort of past all the signs. What is under the bridge? Is it water or is it just a, a quarry? The abyss, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the, the thought process was here, the T-Bears. They all pull up and Michael's just vanished into thin air. They all start wondering, did he make the jump? Did he fall down the cliff is he dead they take it quite well considering they've probably just <laughs> been involved in the death of a man it's the 50s you get away with it. <laughs> and then we just go back to the talent show it's really jarring <laughs> he could be dead the whole but... cast and crew are like oh Maxwell's dead hooray <laughs> <laughs> oh no we no, can't say no, hooray no 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 I'm not, I'm not saying hooray back at the talent show some guy in a green suit is singing really weirdly if you're sweet Sends a letter of goodbye. This bit was so good. <laughs> so while he's doing his thing, whoever this guy in the green suit is, Paulette is about to go out on stage, but not Danny is not a fan of what she's not wearing because she's wearing a skimpy little outfit mm-hmm. and he's like, you've got to cover up your body. And this is uh, Paulette's big... Moment Happy to make in out the with film. her, but in public. <laughs> no she's... one else can see it. Yeah. Paulette has a go at Johnny, saying that um, you know basically she's had enough and that she he treats her like shit, which he does, and she shoves him out onto the stage with the guy in the green. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite funny. I thought this was a nice little moment for Paulette. I thought she um, she came across really well here. And that is the end of their. No, it's not. It's not is the it? end of their. No, I'm oh, going to no, say. It's not. Oh, it was really not. Yeah, it comes back round again. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of this is undone later in the film. But for now, go on, Paulette. The T-Birds kidnap the <laughs> the Republican boys. They must be Obama fans. <laughs> I don't think they're Obama fans somehow. Uh, they tie them up to a shower and then turn the shower on. We get an accordion player 
and some flamenco dancers. And some cultural stereotypes. <laughs> There's a bit of Spain in there, a bit of yeah, China. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Exactly. At least it's not geisha girls. <laughs> As we know, some geisha girls. <laughs> some, there are Chinese restaurants <laughs> in Japan, so that's fine. The T-Birds come on and do their act. They're pretty good, as we've seen before. Um, the, the Republican boys are shown at the side of the stage. They obviously escape, mm-hmm. but they don't get to do their act. <laughs> Why? Uh, they got voted out of Congress or something, <laughs> they? they? lost control of the Senate. And the Pink Ladies do their Calendar Girls act next, so we get the full version of yeah. Girl for All Seasons. What did you think of the representations of each uh, season? <laughs> Easter Bunny for spring, I was good with. Yeah, makes sense. A giant baseball glove representing summer. Did it? Yeah. I didn't see that. Did you not see that? No, I I wasn't paying attention, clearly. dressed as a baseball glove. (laughs) What? I guess it's America's pastime, Mm -hmm. so... um, And then the fall is represented by a decaying tree and a skeleton. Yes. Which I guess is Halloween. I think so, yeah. And then um, December, um, winter is Christmas. A big old Christmas tree. Yeah. Because it's an only Christmas tree. (laughs) Portrayed by Stephanie, yeah. Um, but she's too busy about thinking about the man she just watched die. Mm-hmm. What a freak. So she ruins the whole act. The whole act is ruined. I don't really know what happens here, because they're singing Girl for All Seasons, and it morphs into this next song, which We go is... into the beauty school dropout. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we fade off into the ether for Love Will Turn Back the Hands of Time. And it sounds a little bit like this. <laughs> Love you! <laughs> so, Stephanie is dreaming, and uh, Ghost Michael is uh, there on the top of his uh, wrecked pilot motorcycles. Stephanie is dressed in all white, running through some smoke, because this is now a uh, <laughs> this is now a Bonnie Tyler video. So we get this whole sort of overblown, like, lovey, schmaltzy mm. sequence where they're sort of... Stephanie's remembering her dead love that she met twice. Also reminds me of that sort of purgatory in Harry Potter, where there's that, <laughs> that baby Voldemort the up King's, the bench. King's Cross yeah. Yeah, station. Um, yeah, but unfortunately Michael Gambon isn't here to rescue this uh, scene. I hated this. You didn't like this it? This was too silly for me. Mm-hmm. It was too over the top. It what was do you too... think of the very obviously dyed acrylic silver chrome <laughs> biker outfit? <laughs> Did you not think the set was quite cool? I, yeah, it looked fine. I think we'll have to think about how we're going to stage that for when we do our live mm-hmm. action version. Yeah, maybe just blow the whole budget on that. And the rest <laughs> is just routines. Yeah, blow absolutely. the budget on getting Arlene Phillips <laughs> from Strictly Involved and this scene. She'd love that. I she did she, like, she did it. She did Annie. She did actual Grease, I think, as oh, well. Did she? Yeah, yeah, she'd loved it. Chance to follow it up. So we come out of the dream sequence, and Stephanie is still on stage. The crowd applaud her. So was that song, did she sing that to everybody? Could everybody hear that? I hope not. Does they... <laughs> Girl for All Seasons is much better. Uh, but it's obviously good enough to win her the king and queen of the talent mm-hmm. show because she gets named that alongside on a... Not Danny <laughs> yeah. for some reason. Um, God, imagine writing Nogarelli and Zanoni <laughs> on like the signage for the... They're used to it. This this whole school's full of Italian-American mm. stereotypes. And then we go to a luau. Was not happy with these stereotypes <laughs> no. of this luau. No. Also, what school is spending this much money on their graduation? Where is this? Where is this swimming pool? Rydell is huge. 
It's this this whole big like Hawaiian sort of South Pacific Island style. It looks like a London pop up. Yes, it does look like a London pop up or a small festival in Oxfordshire or something. <laughs> yeah, it should people should be selling like cheesy chips for five pounds out of the little stalls. May to August only. Come along. <laughs> Everything's in like shipping containers yeah. or something obscure. Um, there's a big swimming pool in the middle. Um, <laughs> It's called the... What is it called? The Pool of Enchantment. <laughs> the Pool of Pesticide. <laughs> and chlorine. And dead frogs. Danny and Stephanie are placed into the Pool of Enchantment on this big sort of float thing. Uh, not Danny is smoking, mm-hmm. which seems like a bad idea. because oh, there's, there's, water a, there's a lot of wood around as well. Mr. Spears <laughs> is back! Hooray! He's alive! He walks up to the swimming pool and just walks directly into it. Amazing. <laughs> And presumably dies again. And then, and then we get an actual terrorist attack. Because Jeez. the cycle lords turn up and start attacking people. Did you see that guy who just ran through a uh, stab <laughs> fell off his bike? And it somehow was kept in the film. No. I missed like a proper suicide motorcyclist. <laughs> It's just a full-blown assault on this luau from these... This is an actual crime. This isn't... There's what? no police there. No. Where the police got they to the bowling alley quickly. disturbing the police. <laughs> and then, Mr. Spears isn't the only character who comes back from the dead. Because Michael is back! Never, he loves you! Um, before we go on, is, do you want to talk about your theory about Mr. Spears? Do you know what happen? Have you worked out what it is? No, I haven't. So, oh. it's, it's related to the next point. So, okay. Michael bursts in, yeah. and he jumps over about four... No, so, his He's... bike is on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did he get it in? <laughs> <laughs> his bike is on the ground, and then he jumps for about 40 stories. Yeah, he's on top the of the roof of one of these shacks. <laughs> and then Spearsy, who's got dry within 90 seconds... Yeah. Dies again after seeing Michael. So I was maybe thinking, is his neurological disorder caused by some sort of repressed homosexuality? <laughs> How did you get that? Because Michael's a good-looking chap, right? <laughs> I'm just throwing out theories. Possibly. I mean, spears are a phallic object, so that might have something to do with it. Let's analyze. Answers on a postcard. Everyone who has their own theory about Mr. Spears, email it to uh, badthingspod at gmail.com. And you can't just say, like, he's ill. We know that. <laughs> yeah, why is he ill? Is he gay? Basically, is what we want to know. Some um, of my opinions are just wrong. <laughs> so, Michael fights them all off. He manages to fight them all off on his own. He sort of jumps over the pool. Nobody else can make it. I don't know why. Um, Once again, is there a ramp there? Is there a, was there a ramp there? I don't, I don't think know. there was. Um, and that's it. Everything is fine. Even though they're all the cycle laws are all still there. They've not gone anywhere. They're just all in the pool now. Mm-hmm. They could still cause trouble. And there's like a shot of Craterface calling off the yeah. attack. <laughs> Why? There are so many of them. There's like a dozen of them and there's one of Michael. So Michael takes off the mask. Uh, that's when we get Mr. Spears fainting again because he's gay, apparently. <laughs> Everyone runs up to Michael, including Stephanie, and everyone's like, "What? Ah? Uh-huh. Ma? No? Shakespeare? Yes, it was bloody well me! It was bloody well me the whole time." We then get a bit of a tense moment between not Danny and Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's thinking, "Oh, well, what's going to happen here?" But in a, in a rare show of respect, uh, not Danny gives him a T-Birds jacket. 
the probably the first ever British inductee yeah, into the team. I imagine so. Yeah, and um, he bloody well deserves <laughs> it. <laughs> they have graduated now, right? Is there any point to Michael joining the T-Birds? Is it one of those, like, token inductees <laughs> yeah. that you have at awards ceremonies? Right at the end, yeah. It's, it just seems a bit, you know, they've had a whole year of just bullying him. And now the, they've the let him into their club. sort of outstanding achievement because yeah. they've never won an award A proper before, Oscar, yeah. yeah. That's that, that Oscar that Jackie Chan's got. Then we get this really weird bit with Dolores. Oh, are we talking about the making out? Yeah, no, no, no. There's okay. a the bit Dolores... Oh, yeah. You remember this? Yeah. Yes. So she comes up to Michael and she says... I can't see each other anymore because, you know, I've sort of got another man on my hands now. Oh, right. <laughs> so, Dolores, who's 12, <laughs> is now seeing somebody else. And it's one of the T-Birds. <laughs> I think it's Davy. Oh, Davy. I knew, I knew he was quiet. <laughs> I knew he was a wrong one. Oh, God. <laughs> It's like, the age of Dolores is just... I don't get it. Like, how old is she? Because she's tiny. She looks tiny. Maybe she's 16. Even then, it's... it's... Where are those straws that I need to clutch? <laughs> so that happens, and that's weird. Um, but by the way, Michael and Dolores have not had any interaction before now. Like, so they... is there a subplot where her and Michael have been getting on? Been, yeah, in the fallout shelter. Oh. So after that weirdness happens, Michael and Stephanie kiss, despite the fact that, you know, Stephanie really wasn't that sure about him, you know, two days ago. Because she... he's got a jacket now. She says, I've never been certain to her. Yes. She said, and then Michael's like, Michael's like, incest! More so! <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you're so smart! <laughs> Uh, so they kiss for a really long time, and then we get a cheap rehash of the song from the end of Grease One. Now I can be me, you can be you, and we never This version is I mean, it is a different song, but it may as well be Ramalamalama Kadikidi Dinky Donk. Well, I can be me. <laughs> you can be you. No, you can't. That's the whole. Why, why are they Bob Dylan? <laughs> what would Friday. they say if they knew it was Michael? Friday. Friday. <laughs> Friday. Um, yeah, it's a, you can't like this song, surely. No, not okay, at all. Good. I the only bit I like is when everyone comes in and it's like the graduation yeah. scene. I think that sounds good. Hmm. But oh man, this is so boring. Yeah, this is some full-on middle of the road eighties <laughs> tripe. Yeah, this is well considering how the last Grease film ended, the first one with the big energy, the big dance routine. This mm -hmm. is an absolute wet. How fart. was the budget for this film doubled? <laughs> what did they spend you it on? Compare the scale of the carnival at yeah. the end of Grease mm. to th this pop-up as we've <laughs> described it. This startup business in in you know Camden or something. <laughs> So we get to the uh, all the way to the graduation ceremony. Everybody graduates. Everybody's happy, and that's it. I think. Yeah. Paul and Johnny get back together. Paul and Johnny get back together, despite the fact he's a massive knob. Lewis and Sharon stay together, despite the fact that he tried to use nuclear war as an excuse to take her virginity. Um, and Michael and Stephanie ride off into the sunset, but not and, into the sky. And never act together again. <laughs> graduation. Yeah. They threw their hats up after the photo had been taken. <laughs> Do you remember at our uni? Yeah. We won't name any uh, 
they they tried to ban it. Didn't yes, they, the they did. Of the hats, yeah, which they, was ridiculous. They said they were going to Photoshop the hats in. <laughs> this actually happened, everybody. But oh. you know what? I will go to bat for that because during my graduation ceremony, somebody's hat hit me on the fucking head. Wee! Really, really hurt. Somebody got concussed at my graduation because the hat hit them on the oh head. Oh my god! So I'm kind of with them on that. Call me a spoil sport. Oh, that's. Yeah. You snowflake. snowflakes. Oh. <laughs> it's the first thing on bad things which isn't totally a bad thing. Yeah. So you've got some of the review scores. Mm-hmm, I um, do. Do you want yes. to read out some of, the, so, some of the opinions on this film? I spend my life reading critical reviews. <laughs> it's one of my favourite things. So we'll start off with uh, Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. which, if you somehow don't know, <laughs> is a review aggregator for... Films, TV, yeah, video games, yeah, yeah. Um, and it doesn't come come in well on no. Rotten Tomatoes. It's no. a thirty eight percenter on Rotten Tomatoes. They sum up the reviews by saying Grease Two is undeniably stocked with solid songs and well choreographed dance sequences, but there's no getting around the fact that it's a blatant retread of its far more entertaining predecessor. Mm. Is it a retread? Uh, I don't think it is. I don't. I think there's enough differences to make it its own film. I think if you took this out of a high school setting and put it into a different setting and called it <laughs> something else, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily assume it was connected with Greece. It's just that they obviously tacked the name Greece on to sell tickets. I don't know whether it was never going to be successful with the critics mm. or whether the whole thing with the script and then the fact that it legally had to happen <laughs> kind of diminished yeah. uh, what the product became in the end. Mm. Um, I've also got a review. I never know how to pronounce his name. Is it Roger Ebert or Ebert? I'm going to say Ebert. Ebert. I think, yeah. He gave it two. He does four star ratings, which annoys me greatly. <laughs> um, and he said, this movie just recycles Greece. I think we just, we yeah, just interpreted it this. It doesn't, one. yeah. Uh, without the stars, without the energy, without the freshness, and without the grease. <laughs> there is no grease, to be fair, in this. And then IMDb, not one of my fave sites, <laughs> a, a combo of critical and audience scores. Can't be mixing we, the two. We've got a 4.4 out of 10. And then from inside the camp, mm-hmm. Jim Jacobs. Oh, Jim Jacobs, um, the angriest man in Hollywood. He was especially unhappy with the film. He mm. described it as awful, The Pits. And then in an interview 27 years later, <laughs> he stated that Grease 2 still brings a brief frown to his face. Jesus. Mm. That is bad. Poor Jim, well I'm saying poor Jim Jacobs, but get over it, come on. 27 years. <laughs> I think I'd still be pissed off. You think so? If I'd made one of the most successful franchises mm. ever and then someone came along and shat on it. <laughs> like... Fair enough. Because it, it, like, although I don't think it's a bad thing, mm. it is shitting on it. It kills, yeah, it kills all the momentum that it had. And, and everything that Grease is now is sort of tinged with the black mark of Grease 2. <laughs> Or that, you know, you talk about Greece and then there's a lovely conversation and someone goes, have you seen the other one? <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, it's fucking shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think, you know, as much as we sort of shat on Maxwell Caulfield and, and some of the scenes and some of the songs, on the whole, I didn't hate this. I thought this was okay. I really liked the reproduction scene. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. The opening song's really good. Uh, Michelle Fife is great. The characters are allowed to sort of be their own characters. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the the principal and Blanche were really good. Uh, Coach Calhoun, I thought, was really good. The, all the little side characters in it were really, really nicely fleshed out. The twins were good. The, the, the singing Republicans were good. Trampoline Man. The Trampoline Man <laughs> was great. Um, it didn't stand a chance against the original Grease because it was so 
popular and musical sequels never do well. Just look at Love Never Dies, the Phantom of the Opera sequel. Mm-hmm. It's just never going to... This just doesn't seem to happen in musicals. You just don't get sequels unless it's, I'm... It doesn't happen in entertainment unless you go left of field. <laughs> what, in sequels? I mean, like, debut album... Like, say a debut yeah. album, like, if that gets reviewed really well. Yeah. Just very few people manage to... It's because they set the, the bar too mm-hmm. high a lot of the time, yeah. Um, and I think the problem for me is that it just didn't have the same standout songs as Grease 1. Because Grease 1 had You're the One That I Want, it had mm-hmm. Grease Lightning. They've all gone on to become classics. None of Nothing here really had that for me. It, cool Rider is probably the closest thing to it, and it, 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 Cool Rider feels like it's like this close. Yeah, to it. it's I, too I, cheesy. Can I see think. what I'm doing. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the pinching of. The... He's miming a little a little gap with his fingers. Yeah, yeah. but no, it's, it just didn't have that. Because if there had been a sort of standout song, it would have got more play on the radio. Mm. You know, think about how successful Frozen was off the back of Let It Go. Yeah, that could have happened for this, but it just it just never clicked. But it did turn a profit at the box yes, office. Yes, it did. I was just about to say, <laughs> uh, people did show up. Yeah. So the budget for the film was 11, 12 mil. Yeah, let's call like, it 12 million. Yeah. Uh, so the film took around 15.2 mil at the box office, yeah. making a profit. Any profit at the box office is good. Mm-hmm. Because in cinema, you don't make money at the box office. You make money off of the merchandising rights and the retail rights and the DVDs. Not that anybody bought the DVD. But... I, I want that Maxwell Coldfield Funko <laughs> vinyl. <laughs> With his jumper, clutching a Superman comic. <laughs> Do you want to know what everyone ended up doing? Yes, please. Afterwards. Yes, please. So, Pfeiffer uh, went on to be a prominent face in Hollywood after being after being considered one of the only redeeming qualities <laughs> of this film. She was very clever. She mm. said, I'm not going to be typecast. Mm. So she did Scarface. Uh, she was in Batman Returns. She's Catwoman, yeah. She's she Catwoman in yeah. Batman Returns. I haven't seen that middle bit. The middle I, Batman yeah. films. You know. I know the first Batman because of the Prince soundtrack. <laughs> of course. But uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that awful like Batman and Robin. Oh, not well. that. That might be a future bad thing. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, save it for that. But yeah, she was Catwoman. She's in Hairspray as well, apparently. Yes, she is the mum of the, the other, the, the blonde girl. Have you I've seen, seen Hairspray? Hairspray once. Oh, okay. I remember Baltimore. What she? <laughs> Good morning, Baltimore. She's in um, she's in the Marvel movies as well. She's in Ant Man, hmm. the second Ant Man film. So yeah, she's done very well, and uh, Stardust as well. Which oh yes, is one of my, I love that film. Her wiki photo great. is her at the Stardust present. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know this? I've looked her about twelve times. <laughs> but what about what about our boy, oh, the hero Maxwell. of the story? Um, he ended up having recurring roles in British TV I thought you were going to say recurring nightmares about <laughs> this film. He was in Casualty. I think we could have said Holby City. Uh, either way, it's the same thing. Casualty and Emma Dale, and was also the voice for James Bond in James Bond's Night Yes, I didn't know that. So he's technically played James Bond. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Do you think he'd make a good live-action Bond? No. <laughs> he can't move. <laughs> he's also the wrong sort of handsome. He's not mm-hmm. rugged enough mm-hmm. for a... He's too pretty for Bond. And do you want to know how bitter he was about this whole experience? <laughs> I would love to know how bitter he was. Before Grease 2 came out, I was being hailed as the next Richard Gere or John Travolta. By who? <laughs> His own mind. <laughs> Coalfield is like a Shitcliff Richard or a Tory MP. Like a, back, <laughs> a backseat Tory MP. Maxwell Coalfield. <laughs> yeah. MP yeah. for Bromley. <laughs> However... When Grease 2 flopped, nobody would touch me. Oh, God. It felt like a bucket of cold water had been thrown in my face. It took me ten years to get over Grease 2. 
and, and I don't and know do if he what, means yeah. emotionally or career wise. Yeah, well, I don't think it sounds like he ever got over Greece too career wise or mentally by the sound of it. And as we've said, Pfeiffer and Coldfield did not get on during the filming. Yeah. A few years after the film was released, Coldfield said in an interview that they got along infamously <laughs> rather than famously. We got along bloody infamously. Pfeiffer stated that Maxwell was self-adoring. Wow. Which I think from his statements... <laughs> from his quote, yeah. You might, you might agree with. Jeez. Yeah, well, so the whole thing was just a mess from start to finish. <laughs> the unfinished scripts, the mm-hmm. actors being at each other's throats. I mean, they pulled out a fairly decent showing, I mm-hmm. think, for all the chaos that was going on. Like you said, they had to make it. It, it would looks legally like require. had fun. Yeah, you know, Blanche and, and the principal had a good time, I bet. Frenchie had a nice time before she got asked to go home halfway through the production. You're not going to be in the film, apart from half of it. Yeah, apart from most of the first act. It's pretty much all of you. Um, And there was another standout uh, actor as well in the film who I feel like we should mention. Uh, His name was Christopher MacDonald, who played, not Kanicki, Goose. Okay. Who would go on to be in the film adaptation of Thelma and Louise. He would go on to be in Happy Gilmore. The Iron Giant. Um, he's actually had a fairly decent career. I've seen this, none so. of those films. No, I didn't think he had. Um, so <laughs> no, some... I've seen half an hour of Happy Gilmore in a hotel room in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> was it good? No, no it's just no, really didn't. standard comedy. <laughs> I didn't think so. So there were some good to come out of this film. Some people did benefit from being in Greece too. However, <laughs> who did not benefit from this was the Grease franchise itself, mm-hmm. Maxwell Caulfield, Jim Jacobs' mental health over the last 27 years. But like, I think I'm going to have to say it again, I didn't hate it. No, this is, this is not a bad thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm not putting it in the pot. No, it's not. It, it's, it has bad moments in it. And, and I don't know if I'm in any hurry to watch it again. Are you excited but, for uh, the potential for Grease 3 oh, as well? Yes, Have you heard about this? Yeah, I've heard a couple of the rumours. Apparently High School Musical, were, part of that was adapted from a potential Grease uh, okay. script. Okay. But um, oh, speaking of adaptations, did you hear about this? The Indian adaptation of Grease 2? No. Of Grease 2? <laughs> yeah. There was a Bollywood. Yeah. Oh, the script God. got sold to... Um, <laughs> sold to Bollywood... And it became a massive hit. Wow. Yeah. Same plot. It became a, yeah, same plot. It was it was pretty much the same film, just done in Bollywood. And it became a massive hit. So, you know, there's some good stuff there. Just not for Western audiences. And that's it for uh, the second episode of Bad Things on Grease 2. Um, I'm actually quite glad I got to watch Grease 2 and see for myself that it wasn't as bad as everybody says Your it was. Your first time. Yes, I know. Yeah. And um, did um, 10-year-old you, would they be proud of your viewing of this film your, your opinion it's good to have a more critical adult eye now yeah. I don't think I really liked it that much when I was 10 <laughs> as well it was like well Grease 1 is there why yeah. would I watch exactly Grease Yeah, two. I would never watch it over Grease 1 but mm-hmm. I'm glad I got to see it anyway mm-hmm. um, do you have any memories of Grease 2 do you have opinions similar to ours do you have opinions different to ours we would love to know we didn't have this in the last one because we hadn't made them yet but we've got some social media Yay! now we're in the 21st century so if you look for us on Facebook, we are Bad Things hyphen the podcast. Twitter and Instagram, both of those things, we are at Bad Things Pod. 
Uh, and our email address, if you want to drop us a little line, is badthingspod at gmail.com. We would love an email because we right would. now we're getting so many marketing emails <laughs> that it's... Uh, There's only so many times you can block Vistaprint. And not related right. to us as well. No. I'm talking like, oh, have you tried uh, <laughs> Ancestry DNA? <laughs> the amount of Viagra pills we're getting us advertised, it's disgraceful. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think of the show. Let us know if you've, there's anything you want us to review. We would love your suggestions. Drop us a, a like, a follow, a share, or whatever the other algorithmy words are. And yeah, please go back and listen to the first one if you've somehow managed to find this episode without hearing our first episode, which we did on uh, the Arc Music Factory, uh, Rebecca Black, Friday, Patrice Wilson, all those wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, but for now, I think it's time to say goodbye and to give you a little tease ahead of what we're going to do next time. Oh, it's niche. Oh, it's niche. It's, um, well... You will have heard of the people behind this because they're two of the most, I'd say, most famous and influential artists in their respective fields. So what happens when Lou Reed of Velvet Underground fame collaborates with Metallica of Metallica fame? Well, we all become the table. <laughs> because next time we're going to be looking at their awfully reviewed album... Lulu. Lou Reed's final ever project. And my God, what a way to go out, but not in the way that you're thinking. And I'm going to have to sit there and listen to some other Metallica material <laughs> because I know absolutely nothing. This is where I come into my element. Thank you. But for now, it's a goodbye from Mr. Nathan Packham. Farewell, Grease lovers. It's a goodbye from me. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.